the, the Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago, the National Radio Hall of Fame, the inductees are all daily, no modern people, no modern talk show hosts, no disc jockeys, no, no modern sportscasters. It all is helping with classic radio this year. You'll be happy to know. Wow. And the inductees include Graham McNamee and H.V. Kaltenborn are being inducted. Ronald Reagan is being inducted for, based on his sports broadcasting career. Uh, the programs that are being inducted are the National Barn Dance. Uh, let's see, National Barn Dance, I'm trying to remember. Uh, the Great Gildersleeve, Gangbusters, and Suspense. Well, my goodness. Are all being inducted this year into the National Radio Hall of Fame in November. That's amazing. And no newbies in there at all. Yeah, no modern people this year. Gee. And uh, that's great, I think, but the only problem I see is with no modern people, will any modern radio stations bother to carry the ceremony? They normally don't anyway. <laughs> you know, I mean, over the years, what, 15, 20 years they've been broadcast, I mean, I've only heard it played once or twice. KNX carried it a couple of years. Uh-huh. Uh, I No one in the Bay Area had carried it but one time, and that's only because one of our own radio people was being put in it. It's very hard to find. In Chicago, of course, they carry it. I guess, I don't know about New York or other places, but it's very hard to find the ceremony on the air. And uh, I guess you can find it online. But I just wanted to let you people know that this year, it's all classic radio. How about that? And it's nice, for example, I'm glad that the Great Gildersleeve is being inducted this year, because that was such a great show. I think Fibber McGee was inducted a few years ago. I know the Jordans are in there for their own personalities. But uh, it's going to be November 5th. Patricia would have been able to cast a vote for that show. Right, Patricia? I would have cast a vote? Yep. Or um, what were my choices? Putting Fibber McGee and Molly in. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a done deal. Who else do I have to vote on? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are, I, I, I doubt, I mean, I think you can be assured, Patricia, that I don't think, and of course I could be wrong, I've been wrong on things before in my life, I don't think Nona from nowhere will ever be in the Radio Hall of... <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think uh, the Planet Man will be... I don't think so. I don't think Diary of Fate will be. And I don't think Blair of the Mounties will be. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I know William Conrad is in there for not just Gunsmoke, but all of his career in general. I'm hoping yours truly, Johnny Dollar, can get in some year. Wouldn't that be fabulous? But this, but I am glad those programs are going in this year. By the way, we want to remind you. We've got a little surprise coming up later this evening. We've got some some new uh, Walden. We we found an old Walden found an old tape we sent a few years. We've got some some old Christmas music coming tonight. Hooray. Tell me, Walden, you didn't tell me. <laughs> well, uh, we Jim sent me a bunch of old children's records, Christmas records that we played several years ago. Uh-huh. And I thought we're gonna name the artist. We'll play, oh, 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 play okay. some songs, I and see people can guess. We'll save that. But Jim is responsible. 
And Jim, did you grow up collecting kids' records? I mean, you I did. You I, I, I collected records. My mother would buy me records at the store. Uh-huh. Uh, I listened to them because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't obviously a, lot, a big TV watcher. No. And records, and in those days, you could get 45s for like 25, 15 cents sometimes. Ah, mm. uh, okay. And sometimes they were a little more, we didn't have that many 78s. But many of them, many of these 45s were converts from 78. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a lot of pleasure. And there were so many of them, you know, that you, you hear and you remember them. And, that, you know, you and story records were a big part of my life. And some songs. But the story records, you know, were just so enjoyable. And so many of the personalities who narrated these story records worked in old-time radio. As a kid, remember, listening to a story record, and you would hear the bell. That when you knew, that's when you knew to turn the page in your book. Right, you know, you know, Sterling Holloway did some, mm-hmm. and Norman Rose did some, and uh, let's see, the Greg Gildersleeve did a few children's records. Yes, and what Earl Ross. Yeah, what Sterling Holloway? What character and record is he best known to be? Oh, oh, I think I know. All right, Patricia. I think it is Pooh Bear. You got it, right. Pooh Bear. You bet. And he was, and of course, he was in Alice in the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland. Uh-huh. He did uh, one. One I remember. One song he did was Herkimer the Homely Doll. <laughs> it was a Christmas record. He did. Uh, he did a record called Susie the Little Blue Coop. And he did a lot of those things. I and uh, of course he did. Uh, he even did one suspense call, I think it was called Second Class Passenger in 1957. He actually appeared on suspense one time. But a great voice. Uh, Milton Cross did a few of them. Uh, right. Walden, he was, she wasn't so much in the 78s, but Walden can verify that Rosemary Rice did a number of children's records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she even uh, won, a, she has a Grammy for one. It was a counting record, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. She loves she loved the idea of creating and writing the music and singing it and putting it all together. I think it meant a lot to her that really helped her, you know, transition when radio died to give her another project to work on to start doing children children's records. Yeah, she did a lot of those. And uh let's see also P I'm, I'm by the way, I'm glad to hear that Janet and Alan are working again. Yep. That's gonna be uh uh, the stations that run that program, by the way, they do it, these stations run it like at 6 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday. I guess, I guess they figure that's when little kids are up. <laughs> I mean, if they want kids to listen, it seems strange they'd run them at these odd... Little big kids like Patricia and Walner still haven't gone to bed yet, so we can listen to it. They haven't gone to bed yet, and the little kids are getting up, so it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. So how have you been? I haven't talked to you in a few weeks. How have you been feeling, Patricia? I, hope. I am fine, thank you. And I've, I've got questions galore here, but so I'm going to have to um, find something for you. Okay. Yeah, I okay, can do that. Uh, I'm fine. <coughs> thank you. Uh, can you explain Einstein's theory of relativity? Say again? Can you explain Einstein's mathematical theories? Certainly. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Patricia might be. Okay. Well, that was a yes-no question. We don't have to do it. We could just say yes. <laughs> he didn't Math was never one of my specialties. He didn't say explain it. He just said, can you? I said yes. 
Or, or, I or, bet you could. I or, couldn't. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for thinking that. That's really sweet of you to do that. Wow. I bet Walden would know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dog and pony you with me. <laughs> okay, well, I do have some questions, though. But before, I'll try. Before I go... Are you, are you ready for your weekly Blondie question? Uh, oh, poor guy. How many pups did, did um, Daisy Dog have? How many what? Puppies. Puppies. Babies. Oh, six. I'll take it. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 11, but I mean, I, I truly don't remember, but she did. Well, I, do know, I, I can't tell you. I think I can tell you what the sponsors were on Bondi. Camel Cigarettes was one. Mm -hmm. Really? Yep. I yep. think Super Suds was one. Super Suds, yep. And I believe, and I think Ford sponsored it in 1950. Mm. Well, my dear sir, you just earned yourself some shows. This is incredible. <laughs> and you don't even like the show. <laughs> well, but then again, there are lots of people that do, and I, I never, I don't condemn those people. It, it just, it's just not my thing. It's kind of like... I'm sure there's a fan somewhere of Nona from nowhere. I'm sure they're around. Yeah, somebody's out there. Um, but you don't even you don't even know how to spell Blondie. You hate it so much, and you know all of that information. What can I send you? Oh, oh good. well, let's see. How, uh, how about? Let me think. What am I in the mood for this year? Time, <laughs> I mean. Uh, I guess an information please one might be fun, just like your previous caller. You will have information, please. Well, it'll be fine. Okay. Um, and I will be happy. Uh, Jim, are you able to use DVDs or do you prefer CDs? CDs. C I mean MP3s, I mean. Uh, I'm sorry. I can put MP3s on a CD and I can put them on a DVD, which behaves like a CD. It just can hold more information. Uh, do the CD because the, the CD player plays it better. Okay. I have a CD player that, that plays MP3s. Good for you. Okay, CD player it is. I will do that. There, there will be a couple of CDs because I found some larger files. Most of the information, please, are very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not at all convinced that the sound quality is any better because these files are a little bit bigger, but they're bigger, so they'll fit on a couple of CDs instead of just... Well, that sounds fun because I'm also enjoying when I'm able to... I've been, been kind of busy. I haven't been away from it for a while, but I've been very much enjoying the college bowls. Aren't they fun? Yes, <clears throat> yes, they are. I hope to tell you, those kids were so smart. They should have been on with the information, please, panelists. What a face-off that would have been. And Alan Lawden was just such a such a perfect host. Yes. For that show. So easygoing and low-key, and he he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. Walden and I have conversations occasionally about the Quiz Kids, and Joe. Kelly. Kelly. I want to call him Murphy. Joe Kelly. Well, the Murphy was his announcer. That's what. Okay. His, his announcer was Bob Murphy, I think. Thank you for bailing Quiz me Kids out. Quiz Kids announcer. Um, I have always had the sense that he talked down to the kids, and the kids seemingly adored him. And it did not seem like a very good match at all. Like, Clifton Fadiman was a good match. I don't mean, uh, you know, a toe-to-toe -to -toe competition, but he matched up well with the contestants on Information Police. He was, he was smart. He was urbane. He 
had a sense of humor. I mean, he just, he was part of that group. I just could not put Joe Kelly in the middle of those kids, no how, no way. They struck, they struck. I needed help tying his shoelaces. They struggled because they started with uh, college professors and different people to host that quiz show, Quiz Kids, and it just didn't work. Joe Kelly, from what I understand, according to Dunning, had never even, I believe he never had even finished high school. Oh, no, he never, he never got to, the, he never finished the third grade. Oh, third grade even. Yeah, third, third grade, I mean... You know, I can understand where... Um, this happened at the very beginning of Information, Please, when they set up... Uh, oh, gosh, who I can't recall who it is, and I don't think we probably would even ever know his name again. But one of these very smart university-style people in front of Information, Please, and it was a bomb. Right. He was taking information from the audience. He was trying to sound very professional and erudite and it didn't come across and I can understand that that's probably the way some of the when you talk about a college professor mm -hmm. trying to work into the program with the kids on I on uh, the quiz kids they felt like the professor was trying to, uh, trying a one-upmanship the kids rather than trying to be Either, either one upsmanship and show them up or trying to be one of the kids. And also, I think this, this, the show, Alpha Seltzer, they wanted some connection with the host and the kids. And that, I guess that's wh why the kids love Joe Kelly. He connected with the kids. Well, off my stage. impression was he seemed very friendly with them. He did, to me, he didn't seem, I guess each person interprets it differently. Yeah. To me, he didn't seem that. He reminded me of a babysitter who wasn't quite sure what to do as a babysitter. Uh huh. Mm, well, I'll have to re-listen you know, to some of those. Especially the fun part, when Joe Kupperman would calculate these mathematical, and, and Joe said, uh, uh, and Joe Kelly said, Joe, I, I don't think that's the right answer. And, he, and Joe said, well, well, Joe said, why don't I just give you the card and you can work it out? <laughs> well, you know, the, when you think about quiz show hosts and the way they dealt with their contestants, Groucho was such a perfect match for his contestants. Oh, yes. You never felt, you, you know, you... Uh, they were chosen to match the tone. He set the tone. Everybody was on the same page. Right, and he never, and, and, you, and you, you know he enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. You know, you know the audience enjoyed it. Um, and you, and, you, and it's kind of like, uh, oh, what was I going to compare it to? He might say something to a, to a person. The quote I always hear John Dunning talked about was, uh, uh, the contestant might say he was a used car man sales salesman, and Groucho might say something when were you indicted? <laughs> and that just went along, you know. He, it was, of course, he was joking. Yeah. But but the joke. He thrived, he thrived on unscripted material. Well, also oh. and and also you put Joy. He he just had Joy's venom running circles. Yes. I mean. Yes. The classic example, uh, the classic story that Joy Finman told that I thought was funny. George Finman was from San Francisco, and he went to UC, California at San Francisco. And uh, Finman, uh, it was, you know, became a, was a young announcer, went down, and Groucho took a, uh, a liking, and he, Joy, and Groucho started to play up, gee, you're from San so you went from uh, you went to the University of Stanford and said uh, you, uh, a Stanford graduate wouldn't know this and wouldn't know you know he was trying to stump Joyce and said gee and this Stanford graduate doesn't know this and it got to the point that 
uh, classmates of Joy from, from UC saying, you, you are a traitor, you didn't go to Stanford, and, and Joyce was trying to it's Groucho. And he asked Groucho, would you please go on the air and explain that I, you, this is a gag? And then telling that really I went to UC San Francisco, and Groucho agreed, and he, uh, so he said, we'll do it on the show. So they got on the show, and Groucho, and Groucho said, well, Joyce, I want you to come over here. I, I want to uh, set the record straight. You've been lying about what school you attended. He just threw Joyce Fenneman underneath the bus every time he could do it. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, he just... Uh, he was such a good-natured guy. He just <laughs> went along with it, and he was the perfect straight man. P- perfect straight. And, of course, everyone agrees that taping it or recording it helped a lot. Yes. Yes, and Walden has talked about that several times, yeah. and I can certainly understand how it would be so much easier to cut loose and be yourself when you know you could chop yourself out. Well, you know, and I thought another good host, at least from the one or two I've heard, I thought Burt Parks was pretty good on Break the Bank. Never heard that one. I think there's about two in circulation, maybe three. Maybe that's why my ears haven't found them yet. But he was very good. Actually, um, I, I truly, I think I have uh, one or two of them. I've got a collection of quiz shows, uh, you know, the... We've got three surviving of this and two surviving of that, and I've put them all together in a file, and it's kind of interesting, but I do have well, there's some. Good, there's some good ones. Uh. Well, you know, the quiz show that got all the publicity that we don't have that many copies, I think more are coming out, it's with Dr. IQ. Yeah. You should think about it. I had so much uh, lore about it and history about it. Uh, that's where... Uh, and we have very few recordings of that. Uh-huh. I've only seen one. I think Golden might have two, maybe three. I know there's a couple of Dr. IQ Jr. shows around, I believe. Uh-huh. And what was so fun about that one, the one I have is the one where he says, oh, I'm sorry, when the person gets it wrong. <laughs> yeah. And a box of Dr. IQ candy bars for that person. <laughs> hooray, hooray. And, you know, uh, the announcer, as, as Dunning said, made those candy bars sound so good with the roasted peanut, just the way he described them. Uh, it was a good show, the one I've heard. I, I enjoyed it. Um, the, of course, you had your, you had your uh, sob story quiz shows, like in the daytime, you had, you had Queen for a Day and Strike It Rich. Mm-hmm. Strike It Rich was memorable because if a person got every answer wrong, Warren Hall had a heartline or heartline where people could call in and donate money or something, you know, and, and generally, uh, Strike It Rich was very good at the human in- misery index. The contestant would come on and he'd need the money for, oh, it might be an operation, it might be because the one I have, the woman has a horrible skin condition and she needs her treatment. And I don't mean to laugh at the woman's condition, but the way Warren Hall was talking to her, she, he was talking about how she couldn't get dates because of her, her rash. And the way Warren Hall just kept carrying on with her. It was just, but it was, but it was very popular. It was on, you know, it was on for years on both radio and television. That's about as touching the common base of humanity as you can get. There was nothing romantic about that one, was there? No, no. And, and Queen for a Day was very similar. 
Yes. Although, you know, uh, every woman wanted to be queen for a day who was in the audience, of course. Uh, Jack Bailey was a good host. Yes. Yes, he was. So, Well, Jim, I will get your CDs out to you. Um, it's going to take me a little bit to copy. Don't take your time because I'm still catching up on all the CDs I'm listening to, so just take your time. All right, that's good, because I have to hop from computer to computer for a couple of these, and information please is one of them. So okay. Take a little bit of and, and I hope you. And by the way, I hope you all and good luck on the contest we're going to be having for naming the artist. I hope some people win some things from that. Oh, I want to win. Walden has to find something for me to win. Well, I'm sure Walden can come up with it. I bet I could come up with stuff. All I have to do is come up with an answer. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I can do that. But anyway, thank well, you. Well, y'all have a good evening then. You too, Jim. Thank you all. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. We've been on the air for an hour and 40 minutes. We don't know the theme. And we don't know the theme yet. We don't know so the theme or any old thing, but you can call us at 714-545-2071. So if we have seven more seconds and another phone call, you still won't know what the theme is. <laughs> That is true. Are you ready for the theme? I'm ready. The theme is, please tell me your favorite old-time radio Christmas show and why it's your favorite. All right. Which means you can only have one. Uh-oh. I mean, like, I know. I know. Uh-oh. You ask me, well, what's your favorite? And I'll say, well, what day is it? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> which day? And how my feelings are that I will pick Christmas shows. And we do have a fun deal tonight because... We have a Christmas show for you that is not a Fibber McGee and Molly. I know. When I turned up my email box and there I saw what you decided to play, I said, no Fibber? Nice. No Fibber. And we do have heavenly days left that we still have been dog and ponying around behind us on our little pony carts. But that is our theme for tonight, your favorite old-time radio Christmas show and why. Because it's funny, because it's awful, because it really touches your heart. Any reason at all. 714-545-2071. We always have trivia. First-time callers automatically get radio shows. We have some history notes for tonight. Some very useless but very fun tidbits of information. Are you with me? I'm here. All ears. Don't well, I, uh, before I let um, one of my windows close down here, I searched for Yesterday USA on podcast, uh-huh. and the last pickup was December 2009. Well, we're on schedule. We're only uh, eight, two and a half years behind. <laughs> well, you know. Um, well, it's not that long. December 2009. A year and a half. Yeah. Uh-huh. Year and a half, yeah. Well, that, that would be about right. And yeah. they, they pretty much signed off then and said, we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> so um, if anything else shows up, it'll be a gift. That's right. Well, somebody wants to podcast this station, uh, let us know. I think we can arrange for you to do that. that I, want, I want somebody to come to my rescue and say, I have the Bob Bailey's daughter. Is it her name Barbara? Uh, her name, let me think. Let me think. Bob Bailey's daughter. Uh, good one. R- R- Roberta. 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 I was close. Roberta, good one. <laughs> yeah. Probably in it. Um, whoever has it, so Walden doesn't have to go through these extraordinary means and walk it from California to Florida. I'd be happy to do that. 
Say what? I would be happy to walk the 3,000 miles just to see you. You know, you're so darn lovable, you'd get a ride and be here in 12 minutes. That's probably true. You know, even the jet pilot would let you on the plane. Jeez. <laughs> you have to go someplace, little boy? <laughs> yes, I have to bring something to Florida, yeah. and nobody told me how I was going to get, get there. there. Will you come on and... <laughs> Yes. And I got some Christmas fun facts for Christmas. I've got um, information rationing during the war, but also some notes about Christmas during World War II. And some of them are real heart hurts. Mm. They don't, don't break your heart when you think about trying to keep families together yeah. when families weren't together. Dad and Grandpa and uncles were all over in the war. Some of the women were serving as well. Um, one, one of the notes mentions how many Christmas trees there were available because nobody was home to, to uh, buy them and put them up. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got some notes about that. But you know, as, as sad as it is, I think reminding ourselves of those kinds of times and those particular episodes in life in general helps make us very grateful for what we have. It allows us to be thankful to people who served mm -hmm. this country. Mm -hmm. So if you know a vet, if you have a vet in your life, if you know somebody who served in World War II, Make sure to say hi, give them a hug, especially from Patricia Walden, to say thank you for the service for your country. Because a lot of those guys made tremendous sacrifices for us, and a lot of them just won't talk about it. No. No, it's just not something they talk about. No. And, of course, we had uh, Bill Grine, major, uh, retired major. Wasn't he good last week? Toys for Tots, the Marines toys yeah. for Tots last week. Yeah. And... We, he will be back with us before Christmas this year Good. for an update and for some additional information about how the campaign is going and what they need and what areas might need more help than others. But uh, he was just terrific. He was super. And it, was, it was nice to have an opportunity to say thank you, not only for what they do for the kids, but for what the Marines do, period. Yes. I have a hootla. Oh, wait a minute. We have... My try to stump Walden question. Huh? We have uh huh. We huh? have a baseball question. Huh? And a history question. Huh? And a brain teaser question. Have you noticed this, everybody? One gets one question and wound up being four. Well, you just sort of invited it, you know. <laughs> when I ask you a question and I don't get an answer, but I get twelve pages of history. <laughs> wasn't the question, Walden. Yeah, but on, on January 7th, 1842, this particular... <laughs> but it wasn't the question, Walden. I know, I know, but by the time they got to June, the entire garrison had moved forward, but Walden, that wasn't the question. I know, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. 
You just invite these things for Baldwin. Mm-hmm. You know me well. Of course. Yes. Of yes. course. And now you're starting to know me. I know. <laughs> question here for somebody? Sure. We got a, let's name the artist for this first song. Runs about three minutes, Patricia. These, these are old children. Really old children. song. This is from about 1953. Mm-hmm. This gentleman started out as a big band uh, performer. He wound up having a career as a New York radio actor and made it gigantically big on television as a sidekick to a famous, famous comedian in the 1950s. Probably, if you talk about classic TV comedy shows, this would be in the top three of all time. Okay. That people talk about. And he put out this kid record. And it's a unique version of the the Night Before Christmas Was 
The night before Christmas went all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snuggled in beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. Then Mama in the kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. Well, what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick. I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his horses they came. And he whistled and he shouted and he called them by name. Now dash and now dance and now prance around Vicks. I'll gobble on you but I'm better and listen. The top of the porch to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. So up to the house top the horses they flew with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nick was too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prance again pawing up each little hook as I drew in my head was turning it around down the chimney St. Nick came with the bound. He dressed all in fur from his head to his foot. Clothes were all covered with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how to twinkle, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of the pipe he held tight in his teeth and the smoke in his circle, his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly. The chook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He's chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and turned with a jerk. Crazy. And laying his finger aside off his nose and giving an odd up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh to his team gave a whistle. Away they all flew like the down of a pistol. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight. Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. And do you know who that is? Oh, dear. The last couple of words should have given him away. Uh-huh. And if I can close my eyes and not talk to anybody for the next two and a half minutes. <laughs> Would you play the, can you, are you able to back up and just play those last three or four seconds? Oh, I can, so give me a second. I'll get, over, I'll get back there. Okay. So you just talk. All right. We are celebrating Christmas. We have one more Christmas after tonight. So you have to help me give away some Christmas shows, some Christmas music. Um, actually, I'll give away any kind of radio shows as long as you answer a question. I've got Christmas trivia. I've got regular trivia. I've got comic book trivia. You cannot not answer a question. 714-545-2071. Give us a call. How are you doing over there? We lost one. Okay, we're ready. I, I rewinded it too far back, so we're ready to go. Okay. So, do you know who this is, everybody? Okay. Heard him exclaim, Harry, drove out of sight. Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Got it. All right. Got it. You want to take a guess? Yeah, Arthur Godfrey. The answer is no, because that's who he was known to doing great Arthur Godfrey impersonation. Are you serious? Yes. My next one would have been Art Carney. You are absolutely correct, Patricia. I'm with fun. All right. He is the only person who 
I know of who could have kept that staccato <laughs> going all the way through without skipping a beat. Like uh, he and maybe Danny Kaye, and it wasn't. <laughs> it clearly wasn't Danny Kaye. Oh, all right. Now, now that I wrecked it for everybody, we'll play another one. We'll play another. One. We'll, 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 we'll people, I want to play one from from a little girl who was younger than nine years old when she put out this record. And we'll do that in a second. I gotta rewind to a different part. And she is still performing today. Ah. As a big little girl. As a big little girl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> well, so while we're waiting, while we're waiting for her to do that, why don't we play? Oh, let's see here. What do we want to do? Let's, let's, let's play another one of these little. Songs as I'm getting chewed up here, Patricia. Hold on. Come on, CD. Here we go. That's a fun CD. Uh, the radio organist, George Wright, put that out. He did a great job. That is a super CD. Yeah, and it came from Record Album. I was talking to the gentleman who gave it to me just today, and I thanked him. And I said, I've been playing, we've been playing somewhere on the show. So he was glad he did a nice cleanup of, and got that to us. Okay. Here's the song I want to play. Here's the next trivia question. Patricia, eligible? No, I'm not. Oh. I'm ineligible. You're ineligible? I'm ineligible because I already got one. Oh. Okay. This girl was a gigantic senior of the 50s. She was, she was already a star when she was nine years old and still performing today. And I had her as a guest on the station. So here is one of her early children Christmas records. And it's a cute, cute song. Here we go. Can you name who this is, everybody? 
Okay, do you know who that eight-year-old little girl is? I think I do. I uh, hope other people do. Yeah, so someone for 545-2071. It's just amazing to me that people, kids, could have such a way to sing and people would just fall in love with them, you know? It's amazing. Seven one four five four five two oh seven one. Well, Patricia, you have a nomination for your favorite Christmas show. What day is it? It's a Sunday for Patricia. It's a Sunday for Patricia. Well, let me think. Do you want a touching one, a funny one, um, a, a never, never weather? One, uh, something that'll stay forever. What would you like? Give me an evergreen Christmas show. An evergreen Christmas show. A Christmas show that Patricia likes to play at least once a year. Oh, we don't have enough time. <laughs> um, well, I always say my favorite is painting the Christmas tree white. Yes. With Fibber McGee. What year was that? That was 1944. 1944. Then... I, I go through a whole list. So I'll stay with painting the Christmas tree white. Fibber McGee and Molly. Fibber goes through this enormous hassle with the Christmas tree salesman who wants $10 to flock the tree, mm -hmm. meaning put white tips on the edges of the tree, making it look like it's got snow on it. And he's just hysterical, $10 out of the question. So he's going to do it himself. And that is the genesis of the title, Painting the Christmas Tree White. And that's one of my favorite stories. Wow. I like 
like that one. How about you? Oh man, I'm in this. I'm in a quandary. I'll tell you what. If I, if you have to ask me right now, I'll tell you one that I cry over. Oh, well. You know, I I've cried on this one a few times. I I still just love. It's a wonderful life. I just uh, I love the whole story, the simple story of the Jimmy Stewart, um, George Bailey story. That mm -hmm. I I you know listen to that and I I will shed some tears over that. That somehow. Uh, it means a lot to me, I guess, that one person's life can affect so many people. And I think that's sort of the moral of the story. Yeah, the depth of that story, it, it's so many stories in layers. Mm -hmm. Every layer is a different story. You've got the, the grouchy old Scrooge person yep. who's going to wring every last dime out of people and the dishonest person who, who had the money. And George, who is struggling so hard to do the right thing when he really wants to be doing something else, yes. and he knows that he has his family. And yes. Clarence, Clarence, who has to earn his little angel <laughs> wings by doing, by saving George's life. And I mean, yes. just so many different stories are coalesced, and it comes off beautifully. Mm -hmm. It's it's not, you know, it's not like a Christmas cookie with all different colored sprinkles on it. Mm -hmm. The whole cookie. Yep. eat the whole cookie at the same time. It's just wonderful. It's, it's a great choice. I love that choice. Yeah. Okay, you get a gold star for that Oh, good. You'd get a double star. 714-545-2071. Did everybody go to bed? Probably everybody's outside on the East Coast trying to get cool, you know? Or inside. Or inside. Where it's, oh, gosh, there was... Uh, a movie house. I don't even know where it was, but it flashed up on one of the news stations that runs, you know, they'll pop up pictures from all over the country. Mm -hmm. And one big marquee, who cares what's playing? We've got air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I guess it, we've got AC, who cares what's playing? It's, uh, it's it was just so perfect. Just so perfect. It could have been anywhere in, in you know, two-thirds of the country over the last week. But what a great message. Who cares what's playing? It's air-conditioned in here. <laughs> and I'll bet the place was packed. Yeah, I bet it was. I'll bet the place was Oh, somebody had a great sense of humor to put that up there. Oh, I know. I know. That was the week to show the really chintzy ones that you only had to pay 25 cents mm -hmm. <laughs> to rent. Yep, yep. Because... Um, Truly, I don't think anybody would have cared. We've no. talked about this, where people would go to the bank or go to the library or go to, go to a school, mm -hmm. places where they would not hang out or didn't have any business, but they suddenly had business in the library. And maybe they even discovered some books while they were there. Well, you remember the hottest day you ever survived? <sighs> yes. You have a story? No. No. <laughs> Hello there, you're on there. Hi, Walden, it's Tony. Tony, how are you? Tony, how in the world are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas <laughs> to you, too. It's so good to finally get you on your very own call. Yeah, I finally wrestled the phone from him. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? Are, are you comfortable up there, or are you getting caught in the heat? Yeah, well, it got warm, but, you know, we don't have the uh, humidity 
that you have back east. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was in the 90s. In fact, it was 91 in Weaverville, they said today. Yeah. But uh, you don't you don't feel it. I, I guess Walden would say the same because you're in California, right? Uh -huh. But I'm down here, you know, in Orange County, so oh. I'm just walking around. Oh, it's only 75 degrees. I wonder what, how the rest of the world like. It's living, you know. I mean, going to come and carry you away. <laughs> <laughs> but still, 90 is hot for you folks. But without the humidity, you're right. Do you get a breeze up there too? Oh yeah, yeah. The breeze comes in probably around one, two o'clock. Uh, it's a warm one, you know, most of the time. But uh, it uh, and the house is cool. We don't have any air conditioning. We have a swamp cooler, but we. We didn't even, well, Ralph put, put it up, uh, put it on upstairs because our house is like a two-story deal. Uh. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it's really comfortable. I, I'm so happy to have it because <laughs> wintertime is not exactly my, my best time. Well, I'm, I'm really happy that you made such a great choice when you moved out there because, you know, no matter how much you know about an area, Boy, you make a move like that, it's it's permanent. You don't say, well, I think I'll try it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, we, we kind of made the move originally. Um, we decided over a weekend <laughs> to move to California. <laughs> I should be surprised, but I'm not. I, I'm sorry? It, it just seems like something the two of you would do. Yeah, a little story how you guys made the decision, Tony. Did you just say, Ralph, we're going to California? I mean, how did you guys decide? Uh, well, the way it happened was uh, he worked for the airlines, and there was an opening mm -hmm. in uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And uh, we came out on a weekend because some of the fellows that had come before him that also worked at the same company um, they said, you know, why don't you come on out and see if you like it? So um, uh, Ralph and I and another couple, we went on, we took the flight over. <laughs> and uh, we decided that, yeah, this was something we were going to do. And we uprooted the family and the dog, and <laughs> we came. <laughs> when you folks try something, you really try it. Yeah, yeah. It was hard in the beginning. Uh, I, I was kind of afraid to leave, to leave the house because I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back. You know? uh -huh. <laughs> I just didn't know the area. <laughs> and different. Uh, so anyway, I think I, I think I have the answer to that question that you had, Walden, about the eight, was it an eight or nine-year-old? Yeah, eight, year old? eight years oh. old. Yep, eight-year-old little girl. You got it. Who do you think uh, it is, Tony? Oh. I've got two choices. One was uh, Teresa Brewer, okay. and the other one I thought was, um, oh gosh, Dolly Parton. Well, you're really close. I'm close. You're I'm really close. It. You're so close. <laughs> you're really close. You're really close. Anyway, that was. Thank you. 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 Thank you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Those were my choices, and I'll stick by them. <laughs> <laughs> Even if 
I give you another question and you get it right, you're still going to stick by the other That's one. That's right. Well, I don't blame you, Tony. You just stick with the old question. Let Patricia come up with another question there. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will whisper to you later. I will whisper my guess on that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll email it to you and we'll both be wrong. Okay. Let's see. How is my chicken, by the way? Um, it's in progress. Speechless. Can you hear this? I'm sorry? You're speechless. I'm speechless. <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> Ask her about my chicken, and there it goes. Okay, here's your question. Who was Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol? Who was the character? Who was the, who played Jake Marley? No, who who was yeah? Who was Jacob Marley in the story? Oh, in the story. Huh? Oh, well, let me think now. Jacob Marley. He was the one. Oh. He was his partner. I just got it. <laughs> I just called it out. <laughs> I heard him in the background. That's Did you? <laughs> yes, it was. He was Scrooge's dead partner. All right. You done good. <laughs> he would know. I wouldn't. Oh, I, my mind went blank, which the way it usually is anyway. So you, you two are a good team. Mm -hmm. So are you going to let me make your ears happy this week? I'm sorry, say again? Are you going to let me make your ears happy this week? Oh, gosh, you have made our ears happy for so many weeks. I haven't got a clue. You know, I just like listening to you guys and trying to figure out the answers to the questions. <laughs> we both went to bed, and as soon as the radio went off, <laughs> we both said, oh, it's time to call them. They're <laughs> <laughs> too much fun. I'm, I'm so glad you're out there. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to find something because uh, Ralph gave me a hint about the kind of music that you like and Christmas music and stuff. And I've got some new Christmas music. I put some together. I think it was Benny. Was, could have been Benny Goodman? Or the 19th. Oh, yeah. The 19th. Yeah, yeah he's saying yes. Mm -hmm. So I, I know I've got some goodies that you might like. Would you let me put some goodies together? Well, you're very sweet. I would appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's so much fun when I find these things hanging around in corners, and, and they haven't, you know, they don't surface very regularly, so it, it's always fun when I find something that somebody else likes. So, okay, we will find you some music and goodies from the 40s. I can do that. Well, there's somebody over here that is kind of trying to tear the phone out of my hand. So I think he wants to say hello. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. I wonder, too. Yeah. Hey, it was great talking with you both. All I, right, I really enjoy it. Well, don't be a stranger. Call again. You know, if you... If you I can wrestle the phone yeah, away you from me. It was kind of weak, so I had a chance for it. But <laughs> usually he hangs on too tight. Oh, well, I'm glad you got there. <laughs> All right. Take care. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to hand you over to him. Uh-huh. Talking with the both of you. All right, Tony. Good night. Good night. We're going to talk to the man of the household, for crying out loud. The master of the house. Whoa. Now you're in... To begin with, Molly was dead. <laughs> oh, you're very good. Oh, now. <laughs> How are you? 
to propose to her, Ralph? Did you decide after the first date? Uh, well, you know, we, we met at a skating rink. Right. Oh, I, I was in the uh, service at the time. I was about 18 years old. And I asked her to skate. And I was skating, and I asked her how old she was. She was 16. Ah, uh, sweet 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I says, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> She says, well, you're, you're disappointed. I said, no, but I, I thought you were older than that. So anyhow, I went home that night and I told my mother I just met the girl that I think I'm, I think I met the girl I'm going to marry. Aww. And my mother, and she went home and she told her mother that she'd given me her phone number, which she had never done before. And uh, <laughs> it just went on from there. You know, I, I was only home maybe once a month for a couple of days because I was in the service mm-hmm. in, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we just, uh, I don't know, it, it was right right from the start. And uh, uh, about six months after I got out of the Navy, we got married. Wow. Good story. What a great story. I think it's going to... Yeah. I think it's... It, it was... Uh, it's just been great. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people who are not happy. Well, it's and we don't fall in that bunch. It's not the two of you, that's for sure. <laughs> no, we're just happy as we could be. Um, we got our boat going, and we went out and caught some fish. And I smoked a couple. I smoked a trout. What did it taste like? You know, it, it takes all the fishiness away, but I only smoked it for two hours, and I think four hours is more uh, of what it needs to get the real smoky flavor, which I which I love. Okay. So uh, probably Monday we're going to head out to the lake again and see what we can do. And uh, do you want to fish? <laughs> I want a chicken. I want a chicken. Uh, it'd be a fish, fish named Patricia. <laughs> I haven't got a chicken for you. <laughs> well, I want a fish. I want a chicken. She can, said she, she can be harmless, but uh, I think she can be heartbroken. Patricia's going to be heartbroken. She doesn't get a chicken. You promised me a chick. Promise I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> you promised a chick. Yeah. I mean... Well, I got, I, I got all the chick I need over here. Yeah, Patricia doesn't get to be a little chicken very often, you know? I'm going to send you a chicken. <laughs> That's right. If you, get, if you get a box in the mail, we'll, 
It's going to be interesting, Patricia. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a theme tonight, Ralph. Yes. The theme is, what is your favorite old-time radio Christmas show? And it can be Fibber or Gildersleeve or Suspense. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, it's got to be Fibber McGee. I have a vague memory of a, a Christmas story of, with Deborah McGee, where he was in a department store, and uh, what was her name? <laughs> a little girl came in. Oh, Teeny, yeah. Teeny. And I, I swear, I can't remember, but I swear she mentioned her last name. She said, Mr. So-and-so. And he says, well, who's that? She says, that's my father. And I've been trying to find it and trying to figure out what her last name was, and I just come up with blanks. And I don't remember hearing that show. Walden, do you recall? Well, I was thinking the Christmas show, I think they decided to go Christmas shopping early at the department yeah. store, so I'm wondering if that's the one we need to go look for. Well, I gotta go through. I gotta go through my CDs okay. and see if I can find it. Uh, you know, and then if I find it, I'm gonna call and ask you a question. <laughs> what was her last name? Oh, Ralph, look in the early shows for the show where Fibber is buying a present for his nephew. It's in okay. the 1930s. I don't know what the date is. But check that show first. Well, I sure, I sure love to find out because it, it bothers me. I can't think of it. You've mentioned it before, so I know this is preying on your mind. We have a mission. That little girl singer. Yes. Was yes. Her, was her first name Joni? No. No. Nope. Okay. We we you're correct. It's a little girl. I I know who it is. But I can't think of her name. Well, that's good. Anyhow, that's a, that's a stumper. She is still performing today. And and she, that, that's and, the part that gets me. And she's based in Nashville now. She lives in Nashville, Tennessee. I can give wow. her a guess. Oh, we're going to keep it I'll out. Wait. No, we're gonna, wait. We're going to keep it out for the audience. I have another song. If we don't get... I get a very warm feeling from both of you. 
you you didn't call, you'd be on the top of our hoot list here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, I think we're gonna go back to bed. <laughs> okay. Well, you have a good sleep and stay safe this week. Well, you, you, the radio is no further than my elbow, so I listen to you all night long. Oh, I'm awake thank or not. you. We'll try to behave. Oh, no. That's a bitch. <laughs> okay, we won't behave. <laughs> be naughty. Okay. That's easy. We can do that. I'm going to say good night, folks. All right, Ralph. Ralph, thanks for calling, both of you. Oh. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. How about that? Tony and Ralph, 714-545-2071. Do you know who that eight-year-old little girl is? With that big voice. Big that voice. That should be a giveaway. Uh-huh. That should be a giveaway. And she actually had a monster, monster Christmas record in her teens. In the late 50s, who is still, you still hear it on the radio today during Christmas time. One of the classic uh, Christmas albums, Christmas songs in the 1950s, which I'm not going to play right now. I'll play a different one later. But yeah. there you go. Someone for 545-2071. Do you have the tenors that I sent to you? I can pull right up. You want me to get to that? Um, yeah, I would really like to. All right, let me get they were so spectacular. Um, just tell me which one you're going to pull off. Oh, you can tell me, because they're both up on, on the computer. So I get both up on the computer. So okay, the one that begins with 05. Oh, just which, which one? Okay, and uh, is it the first one you said or the second? That would be the second one. All right, we can see what we are. Hold on. Address, Tim Nobler, attachment, Florida, writer, Eldridge, family, 7 slash 23 slash 2011, 6, 18 p.m. Hello there, Carl. You are on the air. Once I can see, I'm pulling my microphone over here. Oh, you hung up. Oh, oh man. We hung up on you. You me do all that work. Please Aww. call back. 714-545-2071. And let's do this. Try again. Hello there. Yeah, I got a guess for you. All right. Brenda Lee. You are absolutely correct, Kurt. Absolutely. That's the one and only Brenda Lee. I didn't get it until, uh, sorry, having a muscle spasm. <laughs> I didn't get it until you gave the other clues. Uh-huh. Well, of course, everybody knows her for rocking around the Christmas tree, her major Christmas song. Yes. But it, that one is Brenda Lee when she was eight years old. I didn't, I was actually was doing it, uh, was doing something else and just came back, so I didn't hear it, but I did tape it, so. Well, I, I will, uh, I will fire up another Christmas song. You, you, you and Patricia talk for a second, I'll get queued up another song here from her. So, give me, get, talk for about two seconds. <laughs> okay, that's two seconds. seconds. Well, do you want exact timing or what? Right, like you, you have to, you have to punch a clock there. Radio, radio timing, vamp, vamp, right. vamp. Indeed. Yeah, I was glad to hear from um, from uh, what's his name? Bill's the 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 guy that just Ralph Ralph's wife. Ralph, Ralph and Tony, yeah, in California. They're up in in Northern California. That was the first time Tony ever picked up the phone and called. 
So you said he's from Queens. Uh huh. Well, then you may get chicken liver. Ralph <laughs> <laughs> is falling out of bed right now. <laughs> you may get chicken liver, not chicken. So I better go easy on the request. So. Oh, you could be surprised. <laughs> Uh, knowing well, I would not put that past him. Yep. You just gave him an idea. If we get chicken liver, Kurt, good thing, Patri- good thing Patricia has your address because you, know, you know where it's going towards, right? Folks think there is no merit in my delay in getting to the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> if chicken is in there, they're going to know it before I do. Well, actually, actually, that... The, the uh, envelope you're sending me is going to have three discs in it now, I think. All right. Well, you were going um, three discs. Let's see. You've got Wild Bill Hickok. You've got information, please. And what else are you going to get? Uh, the monitor. Um, the monitor stuff. Um, if it's not on its way, it's in your envelope. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. And? I, th- I thought there was one more thing, but I don't remember. Uh, probably is. Maybe it was more Trevor McGee. You see, Patricia's checking it worse. Well, that's right. You, she's checking her worse and checking it twice. After 1940. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I did that. Um, I had to stop taking notes on my on my very important Saturday night. <laughs> I usually have them separated, but now I've got them all mixed up. Yes. You've got Fibber McGee coming. You've got monitor information, please, and I'll toss some Wild Bill Hickok in there. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So Brenda Lee is correct. Yep. Okay. Brenda, uh, we'll, we'll play another Brenda song here soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Bye. Kurt. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Should we just go ahead and play this other Brenda Lee song and we get ready for the tenors? Sure. All right. Here's another. Here's the other side of Bernice Reed when she was eight years old. Everybody. Here we go. And it's got a brand new helper. You're the first one to be told. He wears a hat that's trimmed with fur, and his boots are made of gold. His name is. Santa's sleigh He'll hit your father and dear And they'll soon be on their way Christy Christmas Is Santa's pride and joy He picks out all the presents For each little girl and boy Perhaps you get a toy and playground Full of skates and kitty cars It has a great big slide for you to ride Swings that hang from stars. Christy Christmas will make your dreams come true. And you'll love Christy Christmas just as much as he loves you. Christy Christmas will bring you pretty toys. Like talking dolls for little girls and choo-choo trains for boys. Christy Christmas will serve good things to eat. He'll give your little tummy time a cake and candy treat. Before you go to bed, 
Occasionally, one would sing a song by himself, sometimes two, and most of the time, all three of them would have parts in a particular presentation, and they did these shows live, and they were fabulous. The, the three tenors, I, you, you think about these people in the finest operatic settings in the world, and they all started doing things like singing in the shower. <laughs> it's just incredible. Jose Carreras, um, there, there was uh, a little story about him, about, um, let's see, it's sorry he's recounted in his autobiography and numerous interviews that after seeing the film The Great Caruso, Carreras began singing the arias incessantly to his family, and especially after locking himself in the family's bathroom when, when his exasperated family <laughs> would listen to these impromptu concerts. So, I mean, that's how he started. He was actually practicing himself. By the time he was eight, he gave his first public performance. Wow. Singing in the shower, you yeah. know? I mean, that's how he got started. Luciano Pavarotti became commercially successful because he went into a series called Pavarotti and Friends, and he sang in concert with people like Frank Sinatra and John Denver and Tracy Chapman, and he, it was just down-home, good-hearted music, and he had lungs that started somewhere around his knees. I mean, it was just incredible to listen to him. And Placido Domingo is just a, a delightful person as a personality. He's friendly. He's outgoing. He is now, as of July 2011, he has, more, he has had more roles than any other tenor ever in history. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's just an extraordinary group and they came together every year at Christmas time uh, for many years in a row and just had this wonderful time with each other. The three of them would stand there. They, they, you could tell that they were just having a good time. So the first one that I sent to you is um, two of them singing, Placido Domingo and Luciano Pavarotti singing Adeste Fidelis. So that would be the first one that I sent you, and if you could cue that one up and plug that in, we'll we'll get some. Okay. Out good let me let me get up there. Unread hymnal floor attachment floor unread attachment floor the writer Christmas tenor seven slash. Okay, we'll put it. From floor the writer seven to the Blank. Hi, Sir Walter. Okay, let me move it here. Tab from read only tab. Date read only tab. Read only tab. Subject tab. Attachment. Enter. Mail attachment. Okay, dialogue. here we Open button. Here we go, Patricia. Enter. Attachments. List view. Zero one. Domingo. Pavarotti. At least five dot mp three five point one three mb one of one. Windows Media Player. Default view. Windows Media Player.
that's incredible. Great stuff. Is that great stuff? Great stuff. It reminds me, uh, many, for many Christmases, we, uh, we, we, one, one thing we always do, uh, haven't done it in a year or so, is taking a concert, a Christmas concert, and a lot of times it's the, the, the Pacific Corral, something that, so you get sort of that feel, that opera style of, uh, mm -hmm. of traditional Christmas songs. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you, you could hear that they were just having a good time oh, with yeah. each other. We are the recipients of this wonderful sound, and they were, it, it's because they were having a good time. And, and, the, and the orchestration behind them was wonderful, and the, cho and the choir, they, they, it was a nice blend. Really nice stuff. Yeah. Really nice stuff. Now, what I sent you second, um, and maybe we could get to it later. Up to you. We could play right now or wait, hold it, whatever you want to do. Well, you know how I think of these guys. <laughs> 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 I wish they were my best buds. I know. They are just so wonderful with their voices, and it's so sad that we lost Pavarotti in, uh, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, if, if we could do the Oh Holy Night by Pavarotti... And do that one next. That would be okay. so wonderful. Let me get over there to that side of the computer. Okay. And he we'll hits a couple of notes in this that would have shattered the Sistine Chapel. I think. Oh, Holy Night, uh, for me, of the Sacred Song, my favorite. I, it's, it's something about that. It's, so, it's such a wonderful written uh, works, And I think it's just a wonderful vehicle. For a procedure to sing. Oh, tab, list view, out of red, okay. attachment, it is. It's folder, an extraordinary one more song, song, and it's so difficult enter. for the average person to Just sing, because the range, the octave range, is so huge. You go from, you know, you have to get to your knees and up to the top of But he pulls it off. Of course, he's a professional singer. That doesn't diminish the fact that he pulls it off so beautifully. There is not a fudge note in there anywhere. It is just spectacular. So should we, Patricia? I'm ready. Always ask cancel button. Wait. Open Here button. We go. Enter. Attachments. List view. Zero five can eat molo only night one dot mp3 2.48 mb one of one. Windows media player. Default view. Windows media player.
And there we go. Oh, holy night, silent night. One of the, uh, probably my, my favorite of the uh, traditional classic Christmas songs. You are allowed to have that one. Yeah, that's the one I would keep. Good stuff. Those three are just, or they were, such a, a special trio. It must have hit the other two very hard yeah. when Pavarotti died. Um, it, it just, you know, you form that kind of a, a relationship, professional friendship. It, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, it was just such a, a, a tight group mm -hmm. for what they did for us. And... Um, we just we were just so lucky that we had them. That's I think cool. it was interesting that Jose Carreras started out as a baritone. That's <laughs> 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 what he was singing. He was singing baritone, and he he auditioned for a part. And um, no, I guess I'm, yeah, he began as a tenor. I'm sorry. Uh, he auditioned for a part, and they said, "Well, here, try this aria." And he said, "But I'm a baritone." He said, "Yeah, well, just try it." <laughs> and that's how he became a tenor. <laughs> Gee, he what? did a he did a great job on the in the tenor um, area, and he stayed as a tenor. And we we wound up with the three of them as a gift to us. Wow! So I was thank you very much for playing them. Well, thank for sending them. Good Christmas goodies. I'll have more goodies for you next week. Good. And I'll even get them there a little bit ahead of time. Oh, hey, it came in showtime, so that's what counts. Yeah. So what have you got on your list before I attack you with what's on my list? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything in particular. You don't? No, we can always throw another Christmas on out. Well, why don't you do that, and then I'll give you some useless but fun information. All right. Let's see if I have something handy here. Okay. Okay. Here we go, folks. I want to know yep. who who is this? And this is worth another prize. And if nobody gets this, then I'm gonna gonna be completely stunned. We can shut down the radio station and wait till Christmas. <laughs> That's it, huh? Uh huh. <laughs> okay. We should know. We always should know who this person was. One of the legendary film slash singers slash. Personality of the last century. We know it's not Jack Benny. No. We know it's not Jack Benny. But he was not also. He, Walker. Yes. And he was on the air for 16 years mm. for radio. Okay. All right. All right. Here's a Christmas song that I think is really good that you don't ever hear played that he sang. So here we go. No, 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 it's over here, I twisted it over, okay, here we go, folks. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen, over the moon so bright, 32 feet and eight little tails of white, hurry, hurry, hurry through the night. Old Saint Nick, he works so quickly, leaving toys for girls and boys over the roofs so high. Thirty-two feet and eight little tails, they fly faster, faster, faster through the sky. Oh, look at them go. 
Santa's laughing. Ho, 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 ho. Dasher, dancer, prancer, vixen, comet, cupid, donner, blitzen over the garden wall. Thirty-two feet and eight little tails and all. See them canter, hear old Santa call. Merry, Merry Christmas to you all. Dancer, prancer, vixen, comet, cupid, donner, blitzen over the moon so bright. Thirty-two feet and eight little tails of white. Hurry, hurry, hurry through the night. Galloping, 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 galloping. Old Saint Nick, he works so quickly, leaving toys for girls and boys and over the roof so high. Thirty-two feet and eight little tails they fly. Faster, faster, faster through the sky. sky. Oh, look at them go. Go, 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 go. Santa's laughing. Ho, 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 ho. Dasher, dancer, prancer, vixen, comet, cupid, donner, blitzen over the garden wall. Thirty-two feet and eight little tails and Santa call Merry, Merry Christmas to you all And what do you think, Patricia? Do you think that can be figured out? I think I'll have a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum with that. And caller, do you know who that is? Hello? Ralph? Yeah, it's me again. Do you know who that might be? I, I like Gene Autry. There you go. That's right. See, I knew I was safe. I knew yeah, if I, I threw you. that one in there, somebody um, had it. I, I got up and I got on the computer and I'm trying to find that Fibber McGee and Molly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I may not get to sleep tonight. Well, I will find the one with buying the bicycle for his nephew for you. I will. I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Say what? I'm on my way to doing it, but I got you got. I got that Gene Autry thing on my mind. I had to call you back. Oh, you poor thing. Um, Ralph, did I ever send you Gene Autry shows? You know, I don't think so. Would you like some? Sure. You've got Gene Autry. I can do that. We're going to be talking. Right, we're going to be talking great. to. We're going to talk to Roy Rogers' son on on Tuesday. Patricia and I are going to be talking to Roy Rogers' son, Dusty, on Tuesday. So we'll we'll be playing that in the future, too. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to talking with him. You should. Everybody loved Roy and Dale. Yeah. Everybody. I don't think there was a person in the world who would dare say a naughty thing about Roy or Dale. <laughs> I mean, truly. Oh, I no, agree. I don't think so. I agree. Have anything to say? All right, listen. 
I knew somebody was going to get back, Sean. Oh, yeah. That one was a Wrigley Spearmint Gum. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 714-545-2071. See, this is just in the USA where you could get opera followed by Gene Autry. Only here on the Patricia and Walton show. Sounds like a winner to me. Yeah. Yeah. I have some, some really useless stuff. How useless is it? Well, it's, it's, I guess it's useful because it makes you smile. That's so that's good. And it also allows one brain to wander and think and come up with stuff. Yeah, well, we didn't, you, you want your questions first? Oh, I thought you, you won. I thought you wanted to do the useless stuff. Okay, well, let's do some useless stuff first. Okay. Let's see, where is my useless stuff? Useless stuff, here it is. In ancient Rome, it was considered a sin to eat a woodpecker. No kidding. Now, I didn't know there were woodpeckers in ancient Rome, but I also didn't know there were sins in well, ancient Rome. You know, and, you know, though, he might got an atomic ache, because if you're trying to get out, picking away at the atomic lining, he might be a little tough. I, I think you'd have to be pretty stupid to eat that part first. <laughs> you know, you really would. That, that would create. Anyway, that's what it says. I have no idea if any of these are true. I just get them from what look like reputable places to lift this kind of stuff. All right. Johnny Cash. Yes. According to this particular place that has proven true in all the times that I have gone back to double check, but I didn't have time to double check this, mm -hmm. he was actually, his actual name was J.R. Cash, like initials J.R. Mm -hmm. Cash, but he chose the first name John when the military wouldn't accept just his initials as his first name on his military papers. You mean he wasn't a boy named Sue? He was not a boy named Sue. He was a boy named Jay. That's amazing. That's what it, now. Wow. And somebody who knows, uh, who's an authority on Johnny Cash to call in and verify this, because it really is a great story if oh, it's yeah. true. That's true. <clears throat> and as I say, I have no reason to believe it's not true. <laughs> However, I have no reason to believe it's true either. Okay. Alan Lerner. Alan J. Lerner said about contemporary music, this is a quote, mm -hmm. youth has many glories, but judgment is not one of them. No amount of electronic amplification can turn a belch into an aria. That's Interesting. good. Interesting. No. Not turn a belch into an aria. No, that would not be Pabarazzi. No, I agree. Pardon? That would not be Pabarazzi. No. <laughs> He does not burp. <laughs> he did not. Okay. Now, this one, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin to count this, and I want to meet the person who did this, who came up with this number. How many bowls of soup each year Americans consume? This is just Americans. Well, somebody went, they went, they, they must have snuck this into the census question. So when the census taker is knocking at everybody's doors, how many soup do you eat a year? I swear that's the only way they could possibly come up with a number. <laughs> Whoever put this information together claims that Americans consume 10 billion bowls. Like Bird Book? Uh-huh. Billion bowls? 
bowls of soup each year. <laughs> now, how, how do you count that? Well, let's just calculate that. Let's say we had 300 million people in America. Yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, you know, a lot of them are, are in baby bassinets. Yeah, well, I'm just calculating the, the thing per okay. person. So, so uh, 10 is 3 billion. So they're saying that the average person has 35 bowls of soup a year? Well... I don't know. We're, we have... To, then we get into what constitutes a bowl. When I have soup, I don't have a bowl of soup. I have a bowl of soup. I like soup. So, well, you know, I don't mess around so, with these little... So, I mean, a cup doesn't count as a bowl? I don't know. I don't know what a bowl of soup is. But anyway, whatever it is... What defines a bowl of soup? It must be by the ounces. And you know, you know, the, the, what they classify as ounce of soup is probably a lot smaller than what we consume. Mm, I'm thinking. But they couldn't count it based on the number of cans of soup sold, you know, manuf you know condensed and, and sold in stores. Well, they only get that number they must have. But that wouldn't, I don't buy very much when i when i have soup i mm -hmm. usually make soup myself I, you know i'll make a great big pot of turkey soup or uh -huh. soup or vegetable beef soup well maybe so the, you, you, how the would you how would you count my big pots of soup uh well they talked to the chickens before they came to see <laughs> patricia <laughs> ralph where's my chicken <laughs> i want my chicken i promise not to put it in the pot <laughs> <laughs> I promise, I promise. Well, anyway, if somebody out there can help me know how you count the number of bowls of soup people eat each year and tell me how they got to 10 billion, I will love you to pieces. Well, and they must love you to pieces anyway. But yeah, they must, they must calculate by number of cans they sell, cans and packages. They must not think of the people like Patricia who does homemade cooking. Well, I'm not the only person who makes soup. You sure? People make soup. How many people make homemade soup anymore? You think? I think quite a few, actually. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. I make very good chicken soup. Ah, uh, with noodles or rice, or how do you make it? I make it with chicken. So there. Don't, you, don't you add any veggies? Or, or I do put my veggies in with the chicken. Uh, uh, I use chicken. Uh -huh. Chicken. Um, let's see. I, I usually use also bouillon cubes. Chicken bouillon cubes. Uh, yes. uh-huh. And I use onions and celery and carrots. And when it's all simmered and everything is falling apart, then I boil egg noodles and I add egg noodles per portion. Yeah. Only, only enough to eat at that time, so they don't get soggy. You know, and I think soup always tastes better the second time you warm it up. Oh, it does. I don't know why. It's all of the seasoning. Uh -huh. I, put ex I put extra seasonings in there, too. I use I usually use um, sage. I'll, I'll use poultry seasoning. And actually, it's got more than sage in it. I'll use poultry seasoning in it and a little zip of garlic. So it's got a lot of seasonings in it, too, and it's very good. It's very good. It keeps the it's flu... myself. It's it very good. It keeps the flu bug away. Is that really? Well, I hope so. Chicken soup is actually very good for you when you're sick. It's supposed to be, yeah. It yeah. is. Apparently, there is... It, it's the potassium 
in a chicken is high in potassium, which is a very good thing and something that you lose pretty easily when you've got a fever and you perspire. Oh. Chicken soup really is. It's it's a perfect combination of nutrients for people. So your mama knows best when she says, go have a bowl of chicken soup. You bet. Yeah. You bet. It is absolutely the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, as long as we're on really big-time stuff here, we, we did the bowls of soup. Now we're going to do Oreo cookies. Great balance. You must have Oreo cookies with your bowl of soup. Got to have cookies and soup. Yeah. <laughs> Do not dunk cookies and soup. This is not good. All right, well, in if every Oreo cookie eaten in a year were dunked in milk, cows would have to work overtime to produce an extra 42.2 million gallons of milk, which would be needed to accommodate the extra dunkers. That's a lot of squeezing. Well, you know, 42 million gallons of milk is not an awful lot of milk. More than what I can produce. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was good. That was good. 42. You know, even the point two million for you would be a rough deal, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. All right, so I guess the question becomes, see, I need to start doing my homework sooner because I would have asked myself, well, if they need 42 million extra gallons of milk, how much milk is there to begin with? I think just to call for a taste test. I think so. We need to go buy some Oreo cookies and a glass of milk and dunk it. And I will tell you how much milk an Oreo cookie takes to be properly dunked. I'm, I'm good at that. Oh, I'm good. good at that. Good, good. Okay. Now, the reason I went digging around for Kate Smith information is because I came across a note that all the proceeds from James Barry's book, Peter Pan, were bequeathed to a hospital for sick children in London. Oh, really? <laughs> Isn't that sweet? Yeah. I went out looking for my Kate Smith information, uh-huh. and what I found was that it says Irving Berlin and Kate Smith donated all of the proceeds from performances. It just said, this is all the information said, said from performances to the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts of America. Way to go. Uh, well, I think it's a way to go, too. There, I'm, I'm confident that I read there was a, a more clear delineation, like she had the exclusive rights to perform God Bless America and change that later on when she realized that this was not just a, a personal song to keep keep in her pocket and she released and relinquished the rights to it um, but for her performances her actual performances um all of the money goes the way i recall goes to the girl scouts Ir- irving berlin made sure his portion of god bless america went to the boy scouts and kate smith to the girl scouts so that, that was a pretty good deal. And that's how we get the Girl Scout cookie thanks to Kate Smith. Well, probably not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds like a good story. <laughs> Do we have Boy Scout cookies? Nope. Nope. How come? Uh, I don't know. We'll think about that. Yeah. We'll think about that. Yeah. Well, I'll go to um, some Kate Smith information later. The oldest registered food 
trademark is still in use. Huh. 1886, the Little Red Devil that's on Underwood's brand Devil's Ham was registered in 1886. Hmm. You would think hmm. that trademark be co- would be coming due. Interesting. Okay. I, I think a trademark is forever. It's not a copyright isn't, but a trademark is forever. Oh, I, think, I thought... I thought Disney's been having trouble because they've been afraid of Mickey Mouse falling into into public domain. If you if you allow generic use of your particular trademark, you risk losing it. Mm-hmm. That's how Thermos lost their trademark because it became a generic. Word. I'll put it in a thermos and take it to work. And people they were they did not police the written material and. It became such common use as a generic term that the people who invented the thermos bottle lost the trade registered trademark of thermos. I know. I know. When when I did some uh, a trademark, um, I was involved in help trademarking company here this past year, and it's only good for ten years. A trademark should be should be. Um, should be longer than that. Well, according to the the official government paperwork I just got back, that's what it that in earlier this year, about a month ago, it said it's only good for ten years. Then I I'll probably have to renew it again or whatever. Have to renew it. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. This is not uh, a, a no. There's a copyright, a trademark, and a registered brand. Yep. This is strictly. It's, and this it's, is strictly the, tra- the trademark. Yeah. Talking about. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's a change. Yeah, and 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 wasn't cheap either. I beg your pardon. It was not cheap. Wow. It cost money to do it, big oh. money. And that's that's formalizing it. Phew. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna now I have to go do homework. Uh huh. <sighs> homework, homework. 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 Oh, this next one does not require homework. Because I'm just going to take it on face value. You're going to be uh, you're going to be a trusting soul. I'm oh. going to be a trusting soul because this is an S thing, and I'm not going to do S homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I have spoken. <laughs> I am not going to do sports homework, no matter what. Are you ready? We're ready. According to the National Hockey League's official rule book, mm-hmm. we're in S territory here now, <clears throat> the home team is responsible for providing an adequate supply of official hockey pucks, which must be kept in a frozen condition. Did you know that? I never knew that. I did not know that. The pucks have to be frozen. So the supply, this particular, now every game, mm-hmm. this supply mm-hmm. of pucks must be kept at the penalty bench under the control of one of the regular officials. Wow. I mean, there is no messing around with hockey. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, in baseball. Yeah. You know, there's a baseball team in Colorado. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, they they had, for many years, they had trouble because a lot of home runs were hit there, so they tried to figure a way to control the home runs. Mm-hmm. You know what they came up with to try to help make the ball not go as far? Not go as far. Well, in Colorado, in the stadium, you've got <laughs> no wind resistance. That's right, and it just yeah. flies out of there. Um, what do they do with baseballs? 
before they... Uh, I would guess they roughed them up. No, they couldn't do that. Mm. No, no. And they still have to... With the baseballs With baseballs, yeah. I don't know. How could you mess around with an official league baseball? What well, did they do? They, in this quiet, they allowed them to put them in humidors. Oh, oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Oh, that added the weight. Uh-huh. Because the air, oh my gosh, the elevation alone would be sucking the noise. Yep, yep. How clever is that? Hello there. You are you're the on the air with Sport Talk. What's <laughs> call? Dude, did I get a wrong number? I was, I was trying to call that trusting soul tr Patricia. I know. I mean, she comes hey. with hockey questions and everything hey. else, Dan. Me, I'm being held hostage. I'm really here. Wow. How you doing? I just woke up and I heard you mentioning Dale Evans. You did. Well, I did. We're gonna be interviewing. We're gonna be interviewing her, her, her and Roy's son on Tuesday. Well, I just sent Patricia a link because Dale Evans became Dale Evans in Louisville, Kentucky. How about and that? And I've always heard stories that uh, the radio manager at the time gave her. Uh, her name of Dale Evans because at that point she was known as Frances Fox. And I thought, you know, if Patricia could look over the email I sent her, maybe she could uh, maybe get a little information. I don't know if uh, Dusty would know this or not, but uh, I don't, always thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, people have been given radio names oh, yeah. over the years, you know, by... <laughs> managers and seems like a lot of them a lot of them have stuck over the years so i just always thought it was interesting sure. that Dale, you know became uh -huh. was here in louisville that absolutely is an a number one piece of information you are correct so classy lady what a oh, classic lady i know i mean and just roll up her sleeves and go to work type person yeah that's right lady that's right and lived to be quite uh <laughs> I guess she was near 90 when she... Yeah, about 92, 93 when she mm -hmm. passed away. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, I guess she was on... what Was she on the trip? Yeah, the, the Christian she? Broadcasting Network. I think uh, she had a, a weekly show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she terribly missed Roy, you know, after Roy passed away. And you can completely... But she kept mm -hmm. doing that and writing books. And I think wasn't she wheelchair-bound there at the very end? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I have one of the last interviews in my archives with her that she did with Stephanie Edwards, and it was just, uh, she was just so pleased and grateful for what, what a career, I mean, and, and you think about it, the, um, you know, she and Roy only had one child together, you know, the other ones came from, uh, they adopted or came from uh, their previous marriage, and you remember they they lost that little guy, mm -hmm. and that's what caused Dale to write write her first book, and what twenty seven books later or something, she you know it spawned her a whole writing career. Mhm. Mm yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, so did Patricia get her internet back? Uh oh. Uh oh. Yes. Wait. The latest update, Patricia. Oh, I have it right now. Did you, has it worked this week? This is, it this is this not week? an invitation to bet on the next 12 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I have it. I have it.
have it. What am I supposed to look? Quick, quick, tell me what I'm supposed to look up. Oh, boy. Well, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm going to start making some phone calls next week. Last week, poor Patricia had all the telephone trouble. Isn't that incredible? Mm -hmm. now, you know, and the phone has been fine. I really have not had any problems with the phone. We get, the, depending on the strength, I guess, of the connection, it will be a good or or not so good. You'll hear some crackles once in a while, but you know the phone has not gone down. I have to I have to give them credit for that, and that is really good because with just straight cable, when I was with the cable company, if you sneeze twice, the the cable goes out, and then I had no phones, so that was not a good deal either. So some somewhere somehow somebody is going to come up with a tin can and a Dixie cup that works just as well as whatever we need, and they're free. Hey, we used to have to crank our phones up here. I don't know about where you live, but it was 1974. We had a, uh, an old fake light uh, rotary or a dial uh, crank telephone. We had to crank the phone, then uh -huh. a charge down the line to the operator to the switchboard, and then whoever was manning the switchboard would, you know, then take the call and plug it in, and you would send it on to uh, to your destination. Wow. Dan, was that a 24-hour service? Did you have uh, an operator available? I believe so. I think they had people who came on and you know, uh, did that overnight. They had chipmunks, uh, they had chipmunks run the whole wheel thing. And, and chipmunks, yeah. <laughs> Little hamsters. I know in some communities that I've read about, and even here, they've, everything shut down at midnight. Everything shut down at midnight. Even the electricity plant shut down at midnight. So I wondered in some of the rural areas, I th you know, it, it's really scary to think that it was not so terribly long ago that telephones were not a hundred percent in home. Well, my grandmother's house, she lived out in Nebraska. I don't think she got electricity until the 50s. I uh, know here uh, in parts of our area, late 40, yeah. um, that uh, it was the 40s when we uh, received electricity. I remembered um, we had a, a lady in our family we always called her Aunt Pearl, and she ran a little general store down in Leopold, Indiana, which is about an hour west of Louisville. And um, I went in one day toward the end of the time the store was in operation, and I said, well, Aunt Pearl, you know, how long have you had that Coke machine? She said, oh, not too long. You know, it was like 40 years, I guess, you know. <laughs> but, you know, she was in her 80s at the time, and, you know, she said, well, we got that about the time we got electricity, so... That was pretty much in the, you know, right after, yeah, uh, you know, 1945, which, you know, in that time, you know, it wasn't too long in her lifetime. I guess not. That's, that's cute. You know, I have to tell you, I was listening to every word you said, and I was listening too closely, because when you said general store, yeah. it came through my ears, not general it came gin mill. I thought you were mm -hmm. going to talk about a gin mill. Oh, I see. No. <laughs> that, was, that was not what was oh. coming out. Then, then the word store followed, and I realized that I was off in the wrong direction here. You were not talking about the local gin mill. No, well, that too. 
live not too far from a road called Whiskey Run. Ah, okay. Boy, you're anticipating my question. Go ahead. Go with that. <laughs> Haven't you heard of moonshining? Oh, sure. That's why I wanted you to tell me about it, the history of moonshining in your area. Well, my dad, uh, he was, oh, he had just gotten his driver's license back in the, about the time of the war. He was born in 1931, so this would have been 1945, 46, somewhere in there. And um, he bought an REO Speedwagon, not the band, but an actual truck at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his first jobs was to haul just the uh, empty bottles for, you know, for bottling moonshine, a moonshiner. He would haul coal, he would haul eggs, and uh, he told me once that, you know, he was going, he never hauled the actual product because uh, his dad had told him that, you know, he had told the old moonshiner, now, I don't care for him to, you know, haul the empty bottles to you, but, you know, he didn't want to get involved in moonshining. Mm-hmm. Because, so, you know, a that's fed- didn't want Dad to, you know, get into jail at the time. But that's not jail. That's was, prison stuff. You're right. Now, Dad, Dad was, you know, just looking. You know, at that point, you know, it was about like it is now. Times were tough, and sure. Dad told me he was dropping off, you know, these bottles, and um, he walked up into the woods, and all of a sudden, that fellow walked up behind him with a gun. He said, "Son, you know, you need to." know the rules you know we just don't have you know people coming up here unless they're announced and you know you could have very well been shot so. oh boy <clears throat> yes that, that is sensitive territory yes yes sensitive territory the history channel had a wonderful show on mm-hmm. moonshining and how it was run and how fast it was run um the how how moonshine runners were caught and how the stills were located, and it was really a great show with with really rich historic references in it. It was just great. It was quite an art to moonshining. Um, much so. Boy, this is a precise recipe. It's just not a pot stuck in a, in the woods somewhere. It really is specific stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know. Um, Basically, moonshining became illegal because there was no way to tax right. moonshine. So, imagine that, the government wanting to tax something. Uh, imagine that, yeah. And then <laughs> having to figure out what to do with it during Prohibition. You couldn't complain about not having tax money on something that was illegal, so they really had to pull out all stops in other directions. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Did you ever taste moonshine? Me? Uh-huh. I'm a teetotaler. I don't. You never tasted it. You never, you know, even you know, like dip your finger in and, and put it on your tongue. I know it was. I know if you get a good moonshiner, it's quite, you know, a good product that uh, you know was used a lot of times, you know, in medicines and things mm-hmm. like that. But, uh, you know, um, I hear that there are still moonshiners around. Oh sure. This area. Oh sure. We had an. Uh, older gentleman who just passed away oh it's been i think he's been gone now about three years um 
he was a great winemaker. He lived to be about 100 uh, by the last name of Goodman. And he could make wine out of anything, watermelon, berries, blackberries, blueberries, mm-hmm. apples. And, uh, you know, people from miles around came to, uh, you know, to you know, buy wine from him. Oh, I was just thinking of the Tom T. Hall song, Watermelon Wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, 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 that's true. T. Hall had some so great stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, are there any blue laws left in the world? I guess there are. I don't... Yeah, I, I think there are some in the Midwest where you... The Midwest? Uh, in the Midwest where, for example, what I'm thinking of, um, my dad and my brother went to the grocery store in the Midwest, and my, my dad decided to buy uh, a, a six pack of beer or whatever, and so they backed it. They would not allow my brother to grab the bag to walk out. My dad had to be the one carrying the sack. Well, that, but that wouldn't be a blue law. No, but I'm just thinking an actual law. Well, it's, it's a law because of age. It's uh-huh. Like more than a blue law, you can't buy liquor or beer on a Sunday. Well, I was just thinking, I think in some areas, there's just still, you can't, uh, you know, take a, a bottle, you know, move a bottle from one table to another in a, a restaurant. You have to have the actual waitress do that. Well, no, but this is uh, buying in a store. Or, I understand. Or going into a bar and buying a drink. Mm-hmm. You can't do that on a Sunday uh, in a blue law state, but I don't know how many blue laws are left. I know. I was, just think, I was just trying to think of anything. You know how I am, as you pointed out. I my mind wanders while I'm throwing stuff out while I'm trying to think. Yes, we talk about elephants and we get giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. We're I talking think blue laws. Blue laws. Well, I think of blue now laws. we're getting I, <laughs> it Seems like I remember seeing like we would get advertisements for like Target, you know, in different stores. Huh? And I think, you know, the last blue law I knew of dealing with opening stores on Sunday, I think it was up around Lexington, Kentucky, that said, you know, due to blue laws, they could not operate on Sunday. And that's probably been about 20 years ago. Long time, then. Um, Long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's folks that. sure are friendly in <laughs> still country. <laughs> I have, I have a story I have to tell Walden later. But well, I was thinking, what, I mean, what, what's the famous chicken fast food chicken place in the South? Chick, uh, net, chick, no. chick Filet. They don't even open on Sundays. That's chick- true. That's right. There are chick, there are chick fillets here in Louisville, mm-hmm. and um, you know they are closed. Mm-hmm. They don't operate. Uh, that's due to the uh, owner, you know, believing in the Sabbath. Like right. They want to, you know, keep. Sunday is the day of rest. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, are you in the market for a question, sir? Well, I guess I could. I, I, you were mentioning Johnny Cash earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah. Were, you know anything about that? Well, actually, um, May, Maybelle Carter, mm-hmm. her grandmother was uh, one of my ancestors. No kidding. Mm-hmm. We share a family ancestor of Addington. Very English name. Mm-hmm. Yes. How about that? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm like, by golly, you just say hi to the gang for us. <laughs> That's a piece of fun information. That really is fun. How did you find that out? I actually started researching my family on Ancestry.com, and it's huh? very user-friendly um, uh, service to use. And it's not too expensive. It's about, oh, I think I'm getting it for about fourteen ninety-five a month. Are you getting fourteen ninety-five worth of service out of it? Yes, I have really. I've been working at it here of late. Uh, I've only started this about a month ago. Uh-huh. You know, you you hear rumors, and I always heard that you know we were related to the Carters. You know, uh, since our families came from that area. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah, I've gone back. Um, my mother's family—they're from France, and then my father's family uh, goes back to England. And uh, it's been really an interesting. Uh, Are you going to be able to use this service in researching some of your historic areas for the museum? Um, pretty much. My family is not from this area. My dad came here in like the uh, uh, mid fifties. Uh huh. Um, and my mother's family—they are from adjacent counties. Okay. Um, I didn't ask. I, I apologize. I didn't ask uh -huh. the question correctly. You've okay. got cast of thousands of historic figures mm -hmm. that you work with as a result of, of the museum, sure. and you've got histories of them up there. Are you able to research any of those names using your Ancestry.com account? Uh, you can go in and put in names of, uh, you know, a person and trace it back that way. Okay. Um, you can uh, start different family uh, trees. I have uh, a, I have a first cousin named Kimberly. She got addicted to Ancestry.com. So she, what she does, she promised herself she has to wait to get her work done before she gets onto the site. <laughs> very addictive. In there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to lose track of when you're into something like that, uh -huh. especially, especially when you're learning something. It's uh, not empty hours when you're learning something. Yeah, she, she discovered that we're, I'm related to King Henry VIII. Why doesn't that surprise us? <laughs> <laughs> All the uh, here. We we are not surprised. Amused. <laughs> the queen would say we are not amused. <laughs> That's funny. So you are not restricted to just researching your particular family. You wouldn't have to re-register for another fifteen dollars a month to to develop another family tree. This is just a, a, a membership, and you can use it in any way you, you wish? That's correct. How uh, neat. The only thing that I'm uh, having difficulty with is uh, on my mother's side, um, we go back to uh, France fairly early mm -hmm. in the, oh, by 1700, uh, or by the 1700s, uh, they're back in France now. They also have a what they call a world service that will allow you to access, you know, uh, records from other countries. Uh -huh. I'm a back. I'm back about four generations, and I'm running into that uh, problem where they want you to subscribe to the uh, world service, which mm -hmm. I think that's another. Uh, I think it's another twenty bucks a month. So 
I haven't researched my mother's family as far as I have my yeah. father's family because of that. But uh, I'm really interested in, in getting back. Uh, we get into the uh, Baptiste line on my mother's family, and but uh, you know, it, it, I I had always uh, I won't say shunned researching my own family because I've helped other people, you know, research their lines and you know there is quite an addictive quality of you know where is the next ancestor you know i want to know all about mm -hmm. my grandfather and great-grandfather and yeah you know my, when my... people are asking you these questions you you know have to you know pretty much you know smile and nod and you know sure. listen to their stories and uh you know it, it's kind of like being a grandparent you know you you're, you have such, you know, lovely grandchildren, you know, that do such unique things that, you know, no one else's, you know, uh, grandchild would ever do anything like that. You know, you have that family pride. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess I've become one of these people who, you know, want to research their family line and, you know, and. Hopefully, I'm not boring people with. Uh, oh no, I mean, well, I this is great. No, I mean, you're the, you're the first person I've ever talked with who is participating on Ancestry.com. So this is just me, for me to know. I had watched that uh, show on NBC called "Who Do You Think You Are." Oh yes. Yeah. They're promoting, you know, this service, and uh -huh. I thought, well, you know, it's pretty interesting, and um, and uh, I thought, well, I'll look into it. So. But uh, there are other services out there available. Uh, you yeah, know, I'll tell you, it was an interesting service, and I don't, I don't, can't remember if it's com or another website. Mm -hmm. um, there are people who co co will co collect pictures of grave sites for your ancestors, and find a grave, right? And for my cousin, she, you know, she got she. Her kid got so interested, so she took a family trip to the Midwest and started tracking. Mm -hmm. And she was looking at a particular a grave site, and a person said, thought, well, you know, she was, was related. I said, well, yes, yes. And she didn't have a picture of this mm -hmm. particular grave. So somebody emailed her to like, a grave site or whatever a picture of a marker just to help for documentation who was not mm -hmm. even related to her at all. So it, it, sure. it's just amazing. Yeah, the networking that has opened up as a result of the Internet is so staggering. If anyone described it even 25 years ago, we would have all thought they were Ray Bradbury's. Yes. We, uh, when I worked at the library, we used to uh, have a little registry, and we would ask people, you know, uh, and, you know, this was strictly voluntary. We would have people... Put the, sign in their name, their address, and then their family, what families they were working, mm -hmm. researching, and we kept a card file for a number of years, um, and it came in handy, you know, we would keep it by surname and, um, you know, record their address, and, you know, I know a lot of people were able to uh, keep track or, or find people that way, and I have literally been working, um, you know, in our genealogy department, and, you know, strangers would walk in, and you know, I would be helping them and find out that they were cousins. And, you know, it's, what are the chances of two people walking into a building <laughs> from, you know, two different, you know, cities uh -huh. mm -hmm. miles away and ending up being cousins? I mean, you know, what are the odds? Yeah. So. 
I had a lady call me uh, earlier in the week from Boise, Idaho, and she was wanting to find out about her uh, family and had a nice little chat. And, and, uh, we we know, went back. It's we really, get... really become quite a, um, a hobby for people. I mean, it all started pretty much back in the early or mid-70s, you know, with the, you know, roots, you know, becoming oh, yeah. popular, and that's really just opened up a whole industry. We went, when we went to England in 93, one of the things we did, we went back to our ancestral home, which is still up and running 500 years old. Mm-hmm. And just think, just think of going to a building that your only access to a, a, a stone housing mm-hmm. and then walking to the cemetery where these your ancestors were in the 9th century. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty amazing. My predecessor, his name was Fred Griffin. And uh, he was um, Irish, and um, he went to Ireland to uh, research his line. Mm-hmm. And uh, he walked in over there, and you know he was going to do some research. And the fellow who was helping him, he said, uh, "You have to be careful. It only costs." And uh, I'm converting the figures. He said it only costs five dollars to look it up, but it costs fifty dollars to hash it up. <laughs> <laughs> This is good. There's money in them there hills. <laughs> There's money. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that, that is really funny. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to switch gears on you here. Uh-oh. No, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. Now, we've talked about you're growing up and at, in, in a dairy farm area, and your dad and your family had cows, and you milk them, and we've got this big Oreo question. Oh, boy. Well, it is. I mean, just before you called, I, huh? I had this statement about Johnny Cash, and that was followed by, if every Oreo cookie eaten in a given year were dunked, cows would have to work overtime to produce an extra 42.2 million gallons of milk needed for the extra dunking. Does that sound right? I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Uh, it didn't sound like enough to me. I mean, being a serious business. I know. I, I mean, 40, I 42 million gallons of milk. How does how does that measure up to what your cows would produce in a year? Well, we didn't have milk cows. We had beef cows. Oh, 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 I misunderstood. Okay. Same on yeah. me. Never mind. <laughs> cows, cows are... Cows are like big dogs. They all have unique personalities. Yeah. That, uh, you know. Yeah. But cows, also cows give are, milk. Cows are, I, I use cows to, you know, forecast the weather. How you Laying do down, that? it's going to rain. How do you do that, Dan? When they... Well, you look out, and if the cow's wet, it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really say that? No. <laughs> They, they do different that. things. They gather together, you know, during, you know, before bad weather. And, yeah. You know, and when, and when they lie down, it's going to rain, and they mm-hmm. face into the wind. That's right. See, I, I'm an old farm girl. Mm-hmm. Right. That's I'm right. not. Where, where were you before you? I am not. <laughs> I am not a farm girl. Were you, you, were you always a Florida? No, I'm originally from New York. Oh, okay. I didn't know where you. 
so you're a, a snowbird then? Um, well, no, I, I'm, I'm not a snowbird. A snowbird is a half year in Florida and a half year up north. I see. That's a snowbird. The, and they call them snowbirds because the, the birds fly back up north for the summer, mm -hmm. and then they fly south for the winter. Mm -hmm. And that's how people who do halfy-halfy get, get to be called snowbirds. So you're a snowbird who never returned. Oh, I think you got a lot of people who would say I'm a bird. <laughs> I do not know about a snowbird. No, I moved here, and uh, I am here with no air conditioning because I think it's silly for people to move to a beautiful place and then lock themselves up in a nice cold box. Well, what? How how hot has it been in Florida here? Um, our heat index is usually quite high in the summertime because of the humidity that, uh, you know, is just part and parcel to the territory. So even though uh, there were a couple of days we tickled 100, but that was really rare. But even when it was in the mid-90s, like 95, 96, 97, the heat index was up to 124 one day. So it feels a lot hotter than it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, I mean, it's just part and parcel to the territory. I'm checking the weather right now. We have had 17 inches of rain um, at this point above normal. Above normal. This is that now cumulative, obviously, for the year. 17 mm -hmm. inches is a lot of water. And we have had such oppressive heat here. Um, we've had highs in the upper 90s, like 95, 96 way up there uh, for the, you. The humidity and the dew points are so high. The dew points here uh, have been getting up in the neighborhood of like 80, 82. Wow. That increases the heat index. Mm -hmm. Right now at, at 256 in Louisville, Kentucky, it was 83 degrees, but the heat index was at uh, 89 degrees. Yeah. It, it has just been so squirrely. With this, mm -hmm. with this weather, and mm -hmm. the mid-Atlantic states in the Northeast now, I guess, are the ones who are catching the tail end of this. When I say catching the tail end of it, it's it's moving east, but they're still in the middle of it. And I guess you in the Midwest are starting to see some relief coming down the way. Our coolest day will be Tuesday. I think the cold front will be coming through, and it will drop to 88 degrees. But uh, I'm looking uh -huh. here. Um, Sunday 93, Monday 92, uh, Tuesday 88, uh, Wednesday 94, and so on and so forth, uh, pretty much in the mid-90s, which mid-90s is pretty typical, but right this year, uh, it's been the, uh, the humidity and the dew points have been so high that mm -hmm. it has made that heat index go up to about 105 to 115. Yeah, that's too much. I mean, in this area of the country, people are accustomed to hot weather. It, it's just where we are. But with what the Midwest has gotten and the, the um, North Central and the oh, my gosh, it's just been brutal, absolutely had, brutal. There was a fellow, he was, I believe, he might have been 18. He could have even been younger. Um, he was um, working for a lawn service. Oh, boy. And, uh, he had heat exhaustion, and he uh, and died from it. You, you die very easily. When you hit, 
when you hit the heat stroke level, mm-hmm. you are in dire trouble. Yes. Dire trouble. When you're out there and you stop perspiring, everything starts to shut down. Mm-hmm. And you just don't and get it back up running. Like it can go up really quickly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. You bet. You bet. All right. Well, I'm going to call it a night here. I just wanted to touch base and uh, yeah, see if you're, see if Dusty remembers any time about anything about his mother's time in uh, the Louisville area. I, I surely will ask. Before you go, I have a question for you. Sure. Well, it's not even a trivia question. We'll get to a trivia question in a minute if you'd like it. What's your okay. favorite old-time Christmas show and why? Anyway, it could be Super McGee and Molly, could be Quiet Please, could be Mysterious Traveler, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoyed listening to Red Skelton. He always had a good Christmas show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was somewhat religious, I guess. Uh-huh. You know, he he always was such a kind figure, you know. Uh, you know, signing off, you know, with the phrase, God bless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not really uh, using that to, you know, give you well wishes, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Never thought, you know, of taking offense to it. And I don't believe he ever meant that to be offensive. Oh, good grief, no. Uh, One of my uh, favorite routines when he's playing junior and he has to be in the Christmas play and he doesn't want to dress up to be a, a tree or anything. And he he decides to throw a fit and and uh, take his head and bang against the sidewalk and his grandmother says, stop hurting the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. 
you know, you know how you guys start in show business, either of you? I do because uh, actually the uh, Indiana Farm Bureau has produced a commercial. Uh, he was selling newspapers in Vincennes right. in 19, I think it was 1911, mm -hmm. and um, Ed Wynn uh, came up to him and um, asked him some questions, and he said, you know, I would like to go see the show, but now I have to sell these newspapers, and Ed Wynn bought all of the newspapers and told the, uh, the uh, told Red to come see him at the show. Wow. What a great story. Wow. Yeah, they, they, the Indiana uh, Farm Bureau produced a commercial that uh, told that story in 30 wow. seconds. Wow. So. You know, it, 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 so many stories we hear about the older performers, the, the early performers, not older performers, early performers, who were in the right place at the right time and crossed paths with the right people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like classic story Vic Damone, you know, how he got his start. Vic Damone? Yeah. No. Vic Damone was an elevator operator at one of the New York theaters, and he really always wanted to become a singer. And so Perry Como stepped in, and Vic running over, you know, I would show up to sing, and would you mind if I would sing? And Perry said, go ahead. So he sang in the elevator going, and said, Perry said, you know, start your career. And that's how, that's how Vic Damone got started. Way to go. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Okay, now you're down to the, the real nitty-gritty here. Uh-oh. Uh -huh. Watch out. Uh, real nitty <laughs> Are you ready? Who was Homer Brown's friend? Who was Homer Brown's friend? Uh-huh. Hmm, that is a good, good question. <laughs> um, not that I'm stalling or anything, but who was Homer Brown's friend? Who was Homer uh, Brown? Who was John Holt? Homer Brown. I can't even remember um, anybody on any, on any radio shows at this point. Ah, uh, well. Well, Homer, Bra Homer Brown's mom and dad were Mr. and Mrs. Brown. Really? Yes. I never would have. Oh, I just wanted to make sure. Okay. I, I was thinking and Smith. You and I are going to have to do something <laughs> about this boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're moving on here. Now, who... This one is a hard one now. Hmm? This one is a hard one. Who played Leroy in The Great Gildersleeve? Oh, gosh. He was the... Uh, okay, I... He portrayed... Um, let's see. He was actually playing. much older than he found it on radio. Correct. Huh? Yes. Correct. In fact, he was probably in his 40s. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. You remember, uh, what, you remember what voice he did in cartoons? Hmm. I... Just it again. <laughs> what else? Talk about elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Walden. Is, is Walden the elephant in the room here or what? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, poor Walden. I'm sorry, Walden. I still love you anyway, adorable. That's okay. I know. You're never going to give me away. No, no. Poor Walden. No. Um, 
Chrissy. What can we do to help? I'm trying to remember his name, and I know I've looked it up. His first name, initial, uh, first name initial, is the same as mine. Hmm. So I can give you a clue. It's not Walden, but it starts with a W. Walter. Good. Okay. And, um, let's see, what was his last name? Hmm. I operate much better at not four in the morning. <laughs> oh, my but, goodness, um, look at that. It is. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to take but, the D on you here. Okay. Um... Let me see. Let's give you a Christmas one. Okay. <laughs> Name five of Santa's original reindeer, not Rudolph. Five, <laughs> five of the real guys. <laughs> Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, and Donna Dixon. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. That's well, seven. That's seven. Give me the last two. <laughs> what? Give me the last two. Donner. Yeah. And let's see. I'm trying to remember. I was thinking of let's see. Donner and Vixen. You got Vixen in the middle. You got start. Go through the whole list. Okay. You did very well. Dasher. Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. Blitzen, oh, there right. you go. Damn, <laughs> good job. Dixon, as in Mason Dixon, and I thought, this guy's been working too hard. <laughs> well, you know, Homer Simpson, you know, I thought a uh, reindeer was Donna Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Okay, so this means I can make your ears happy, too. What would make really? you happy? So, are we into the... No, we have one more. Are you celebrating Christmas in July next week? Oh, sure. of course. It's still July last I knew. I don't think we the count... Sure. Yeah, I don't think the count is whipped out. Okay. I wasn't sure yeah. about that, yes. So, what would you like in an envelope? What would I... Money. Oh, right. <laughs> Green is good, but money money is hard to come by. Hey, I don't know. I, I think we had discussed this, but I don't. Did you send me uh, any of the monitor shows? If I didn't, they're coming. Okay. Because I know I I can I can go right through that little pile here. That might not be the only thing I owe you. I think it is. Um, I haven't, um, just keep talking. Don't worry oh. about me. I'll be fine. So, the, so Dan, last week when you had the uh, the battle, how hot did it get for the for the for the uh, reenactment? I think it was like 94 on Saturday, and I think it was like 92 on Sunday. Wow. So, but uh, yeah, we had a good good crowd here, and um, actually, I received a note from our. Uh, local tourism uh, director, mm -hmm. uh, not in 2012, but in, 2000, in 2013, 
they're uh, putting our uh, reenactment on the front cover of the uh, Indiana Tourism uh, Directory. Wow. So we're going to have to really... Uh, they're going to have to open up everybody's house. Everybody's going to have to come and stay with you guys. If they're going to increase the, uh, the enrollment, huh? Yeah, that's true. They, they put out a booklet here every year, you know, for different festivals in uh, Indiana. And we'll be on there in uh, two years. You, that, but, uh, you guys have a problem with people moving in for a couple of days? Have you run out of places for people to stay? Um, we haven't got re- we haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh-huh. You know, uh huh. with our 150th sesquicentennial coming up uh, in two years, uh, hopefully we will have we will have a lot of uh, you know visitors come. Mm-hmm. But uh, usually here, Derby is the big event that, um, you know, really books the hotels. Oh, yeah. I think I heard somewhere a couple years ago going to the Derby Mm -hmm. for a grandstand seat, like 140 bucks or something. Yeah, uh, you, they've tried to open up some of the, um, see, about 10 years ago, they rebuilt uh, the Bands at Churchill Downs, uh-huh. and um, they really, you know, tried to get as much seating as they could there in the uh, in the new grandstand area. Well, what's bigger, you think, in that neck of the woods, the Indianapolis 500 or the Kentucky Derby? Oh, here it's the Derby. It's the Derby. By okay. Uh huh. Yeah, by far. I mean, you know, I think. I don't know if the Indy 500 has, you know, uh, reduced the its attendance here of late, but you know, um, I think uh, I, I don't think it's as big here as it once was. Right. Yeah. Right. Once they had that split, it dropped some uh, a fan base for a while. Yeah. Well, uh, if you live in in if you live in Indianapolis, they black out the Indy 500 for. Um, till that evening. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. They, um, you have to, you know, if you live in Indianapolis, the only way you're going to see the uh, Indianapolis 500 on television is if you can pick up a uh, station mm-hmm. in a neighboring city like, um, you know, Louisville or, you know, some other city. They black that out till, I think, 7 o'clock at night. Well, now, I know in Kentucky, the, the, you know, they have such famous... Um, horse breeding farms, are there any in Indiana, that, uh, or is it all pretty much in Kentucky, they're all the famous ones? Pretty much over around Lexington are where the uh, horse farms are. And okay. They are they are truly beautiful, you know, see yeah. the wooden fences running on for miles. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much northeast of Lexington, between Lexington and uh, Paris, Kentucky. We've got some pretty significant. Otherwise, I've known as the old Maysville Road up through there. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know my. Lexington is, uh, you know, has a lot of. Uh, uh, it's the bl- it's the limestone. Right, the limestone. There. Yeah. Uh, it's conducive to the bluegrass, which you know seems to uh, really fit the uh, diet of the horses over there. 
bluegrass and, country. And plus it helped her bones and everything. That's mm -hmm. just the sort of theory. That would be it. Dan, you should have gotten, and if you didn't, I will remail it. Um, you should have had in your mailbox a copy of the Monitor DVD. Okay. And if it's I'll not there, you let me know, and I'll just drop another one. Okay. I'll double check uh, what I've got here. Uh, I've got, I have, um, I think, one of the CDs uh, that I haven't opened yet. But, uh, Ooh, well, maybe that's that. it. That's okay. You're talking to a person who goes to the mailbox once a week. So <laughs> don't worry about not opening an envelope. I'm just so grateful when I find them all. Okay, so what else can I send? Mm, good question. Um, how about some more sugar, McGee and Molly? How about I would be happy to do that. Can you help me with the dates of the ones that you've got? I believe you sent me some early ones. I tell you what, I think. Um, I don't mean a whole list of the dates. Please forgive me. You know, if, if sure. I do 1940 through 1944 or mm -hmm. 1935 through 1940, if you can give me an approximation, I'll send another set. How about uh, from? How about after the war? Um, like when the cast returned, like Gail Gordon when he. Came back sure. after his stint. That would sure. be great. Now, he came, well, um, Gail Gordon came back before the end of the war. Mm hmm. So you think the fall of 45? It was. I think so, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that would be about right. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I send you the late war years and the, the post war years, yes? That would be fine, yes. Okay, here's a, trivia, here's a trivia question for both you guys. Sure. In 1947 to 48, uh, Gil Gordon was uh, was not mayor of trivia. Right. Why? Why? He was not mayor of trivia because they did not. Oh, crikey! Hold on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 they didn't want. And then what? Pl what role did he play for that season? Was he Foggy the Weatherman? Correct. Foggy he the was Weatherman. Foggy. Yep. So why why was he not Mayor Latrivia? Not Mayor Latrivia because they did not want to. Was he? Were they? What wasn't he too uh, uh, closely associated with uh, Mayor Laguardia? You got it, Dan. Good job. That is good for you. Good too. job, Dan. Because the Mayor Laguardia died in 1947, so they decided to uh, hold off that character for a whole year. Okay. Now, you talked about incredible sensitivity. How many people would have drawn the connector lines there? I, I would not. I mean, you know. Well, I would not either, but I wasn't, I didn't live when, it, you know, it, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in the listening audience when they, um, yeah. and, and I just when think, they made that choice. And also, you think, here, Fibber Molly or in Hollywood, and Mary Laguardia is a New York character. I mean, a New York personality. Yeah. Well, I he think Laguardia was like I one of the first political figures that was nationally known, and oh, I would yeah. put him in the category of Ronald Reagan. Practically. I mean, think about <laughs> this. I mean, he was so upset with the newspaper strike, he went on the local radio station WNYC every Sunday morning to read the comic strip to the kids. He read the comics to the kids, yeah. Now that's something interesting. If anybody would like a copy of Mayor LaGuardia reading comics to the kids, 
I can help with that. I have a question. Did you ever uh, hear anything more about my uh, Lum and Abner? Um, oh, I haven't even okay. had time to. I'm so sorry, and I meant to right. tell you that right up front. I have not sent it to Donnie Pitchford yet, and I will tell him. <laughs> Hurry up, because I was late. <laughs> <laughs> The doggy ate my homework. Uh, <laughs> 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 my computer ate my homework. <laughs> yes, I do not have an answer, and I'm being honest because because I didn't ask the question yet. <laughs> oh boy! I know. You're, you're losing your moniker as lovable. <laughs> oh no! Society in general gotten faster at the older we all gotten. I mean, what this like this 30 years ago? More frenetic. I'm not sure that it's any more productive. I'm not sure that it's any faster. I think we've just got more BBs rolling around in the bin. Mm -hmm. What do you I'll, think, Dan? I'll, I'll answer your question with this uh, little story. Um, a co-worker of mine, um, she has an 18-year-old son who... Uh, I have connected with on Facebook, and he turned 18 um, earlier this year. And on his Facebook, he posted that, gee, the summer seems like they are getting faster. And I sent him a reply, if you think they're fast at 18, wait till you're 40. <laughs> Indeed. I, I have an 80-year-old um, great aunt, and she's, complains about the time just gets, you know, mm -hmm. faster and faster all the time. And, and, you know, I tell people, well, that seems logical because, you know, when you're young, you know, a, a month is so much, uh, so much a bigger part of your life right. than, you know. Sure. sure. When a four-year-old is five, waiting to be five you know, years old, that's 25% of larger it. amount of time than, you know, when you get older. A month is like a oh. day. Can, can you imagine when we were all kids doing what for Christmas? How about that? Yeah. I do remember those. Yeah. I mean, it, waiting for Christmas. Waiting for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know. And, uh, it was here, at, here at the end of July, mm -hmm. it seemed like, you know, uh, we still had a fairly large portion of time before school. I know. You know, it's like, you know, now it just seems like, you know, a week seems like a day, you know, to what it used to be, you know. Mm -hmm. we're, we're gearing up here for our fall semester at uh, Bellarmine. And, and we're preparing for Christmas, the real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Scary. Oh. This is so scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, your 
you're so young and vibrant, you know, Patricia. I mean, so despite, for the, you're, despite the rumor that you're 79 years old, I don't know how <laughs> such how such slander gets, you know, out yeah. you know, to we the have general to public. The person in Hawaii for that one. Yeah. <laughs> He's got two friends believing it. Yes. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going. You have got here, and I'm so glad I woke up and caught the. I just play the. I just play the. Your show in the background, and it's such good, you know, banter, you know, to fall asleep to and, and wake up, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> we can get you falling asleep there. We're better than a right. sleeping pill. That's right. So, well, you all have a good week now. Dan, thanks for calling us. Oh, take care. All right, pal. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. And we love our family. We love you to call and become part of the family. 714-545-2071. I have some information that I'm going to have to switch over to next week because it's not in front of me right now. But we have a listener named Steve who pops an email to me every once in a while, and one night he's going to call in and say hi and let us know that he's a real person. But he had a story about that, that related to Allen's and the leaders that we were talking about one night, and he had a, an airline fuel story that went along with that, and it was really great, so I have to read it one night. Hello there, you're on the air. Hello, uh, Walter Tatley. Oh, you're so good, <laughs> Nolan. Oh, I see you. Hello, Walter. You're sounding wonderful. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm are wide you awake. Okay? You know, you're wide awake. Well, what, what, it's, well, it's only, uh, only, what, 18 before 7 in the morning for both, 5 in the morning for both you guys? That's not too bad. Yeah, the sun's not up yet. Yeah. The sun's not up yet. Yeah, oh, no. The yeah, coffee. Even in the summertime. <laughs> Is the coffee perking? Did I get that right? Was it Walter? You got sure. it. You got it. Uh, I, while y'all you all were talking, I actually have something like a baseball card, and I only own one of them, but there was a series of cards like that that NBC put out of their uh, stars. Oh, wow. And there's information on the back of this, mm -hmm. and Walter appeared in more than 100 movies. I didn't know that. A hundred movies. Probably did a lot of the I knew that he did a handful. I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. Wow. The source. He was quite a remarkable I person. Now, when they say he did movies, are they including, you know, walk-on parts or, or things where he might have been a bellboy in one scene? Were they including things like that? Exactly. Probably, yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh -huh. okay. uh, I saw him in one Gene Autry movie recently. And he was with a group of boys from a boarding school and uh, went to the Dude Ranch. He worked in the Western. Wow. Uh, was he a tough kid? A, a tough kid? Yeah, did he play a tough kid in that role? No, not really. Um, they, they all were kind of unruly in the beginning, and then they became heroes. You know how that uh -huh. was. But uh, no, he, he was not the bad guy. Um, and also, let's see, what else was I going to? Clean from this card. Oh, you know, Walter, you should know this. You know where, where he spent most of his spare time when he was still alive? Yeah, he uh, he helped a 
uh, volunteer for a handicapped Boy Scout troop. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? He he also had a side business. Do you know what his side business was? He had a what? A side business. He had a side a, business. Yes. No, I don't know. He ran a pet shop. Oh right. <laughs> You're kidding. No. Yeah. What kind? Of, no, I know this is going to sound silly when I say what kind of pets pet uh, shop, but. It, it could be a bird shop or uh -huh. a traditional with puppies and kitties. Cowboys, yeah. Do you have any idea of what I don't know. you had in there? I don't know. Didn't you know I was going to ask? I know. Oh, well, then. I just know. you such a hard time tonight. You're going to divorce me. No, no, I'll never divorce you. No no divorce court? But, no, no. It has to It's in the Walter Tetley book. Well, if I had my Walter Tetley book in front of me, I would know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am at a loss. I've been looking for my, um, oh, you know, my, my personalities book, you know, the, the book that you... you uh-huh. The Radio Stars book? Yeah, that one, that one. It is... Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's under the mail. Never mind. <laughs> Yes, it's in the mail. Everything is in the mail. <laughs> I was going to say, I know it is right here. I have it right here with me. And yes, I do. <laughs> Time is perfect. Oh. I'll go look at my Walter Tedley book now, because I know where that one is. You two can just keep talking. I was worried about you, and thank you for your son to send an email that you were okay. He scared me. Oh, yeah, that uh, computer has a ghost in it. Sometimes it receives everything, and but I can't send anything out. Yeah, well, that's and, okay. Uh, but he he has his name as his, you know, the, the person who is sending is his name, uh, you know. And he put your name, Nolan Kenner, as the subject. Oh. I'm getting a subject named Nolan Kenner from your son, and I uh -oh. thought, I think I'm going to croak here, because I really thought there was something seriously wrong. Oh, oh. Well, it was so think. nice of him to put it quickly in the, <laughs> in the beginning. He said, he said he's having trouble with his email. I said, ooh, that I can live with, but gosh, you know, opening up my email and looking at that, I, I, I was really scared. I thought you were not Never well. Occurred. Never occurred to me, but I, I can see how, how you would think that. Yeah, I mean, it was the subject line, not even Nolan's email or um, email problems or something like that. It's just Nolan Kenner was the subject. So I told Walden, he said, uh-oh. I said, yeah, that's what I said, too. So we uh-oh'd for you, and we're so happy there's no uh-oh. surprised he didn't include pictures of the grandchildren. <laughs> he includes his website. I get them day by day. Oh, really? Yeah, oh gosh, I, pretty, I, I love it, but uh, he's very good about uh, uploading pictures. Yeah, well, he, uh, he did include his website. Uh, did you see his website? Uh huh. I took a quick run over there. Yeah, he's a motivational speaker uh, on the side. Uh huh. He, he does that as a sideline. Motivational speaking, that's what the, the website you're talking about? Yes, yes, that's uh, the um, address that was in his email. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he works for AT&T in the, uh -huh. the real uh, oh, job. It was at the bottom of the second pile of books. 
Here he is. <laughs> I have. I can look at Walter Tetley now. Uh, anyway, it was very nice of him to send the email, and it was very nice of you to ask him to do that. Oh, well, I, I uh, appreciate you caring. I'm, I well, of course we scare you. My gosh. Did, have you heard who Patricia and I are going to interview on Tuesday? No one? Dusty Rogers. Yeah, that's right. That's, I'll be tuned in and probably calling. Well, well yeah, we're going to be pre-recorded ahead of time, so Dusty... Because he, he's taking a whole month off the tour around the country because I guess this is year his dad's 100th birthday. Oh. And a lot of places are in demand for him to make appearances. So we couldn't get him to be live on a Saturday night, so we took the next best opportunity. If I had the chance, I would like to ask him where we could find good copies of Roy's movies. They don't, the, the ones, uh, Gene Autry has all of his. Yeah. But uh, if you look for the Roy Rogers, there may be a place, and I, maybe a listener knows. But I, I got scratchy, for, uh, you know, prints when you right. uh, buy a CD, right. DVD. And uh, I wonder if maybe the estate has... Well, I bet they do. Because I asked about the radio show one, and he said he's still working on it. He got he, a lot of them, he said, on glass discs. So he was just slowly getting those done. But, you know, we could always ask him about the movies. See what 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 the latest update is. You can compare. I think you know his dad would have been 100 in November. You would think a new set would be coming out this year. Ah, you you say it is, or you? you, you I would think so. I'm just yeah, guessing. Yeah, as an anniversary I or a commemorative guess, yeah. type gesture. Sure, yeah. that sounds reasonable mm -hmm. to me. I think uh, Gene Autry probably contributed a lot of music uh, money to UCLA because they do that restoration. Yeah there and the, many times they're accredited on his pictures so that could be you know that why they're more out there than and also I face it you know where Gene Woods up you know a lot of base was in the LA area while Roy would have moved out to Apple Valley and out, out to the you know more rural yep. part of the country so maybe he didn't get in the town too often again I don't know how much Roy had control over the early films I, I'm assuming maybe Gene might have had a stronger business manager, business management sense. Who knows? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. Gene I did buy up his his movies, the Master Prince. Oh, his yeah. Movies, I understand. I don't think Roy did that. No, probably not. Um, but Gene was quite an entrepreneur. Radio and TV station. Yeah. Yep. Golden West Broadcasters, right? I think that was uh, the name of his company. Steve Allen Show either originated from there or was syndicated from there but I heard him comment one day uh, something came up and he said well that's all left to the man upstairs <laughs> in this case it's Gene Autry <laughs> <laughs> his office was in the same building as the yeah. TV yeah. Yeah, Homer, uh, did you get Homer's best friend? not yet Henry Aldridge? very good All right. you're really hot tonight sir I, I'm wide awake. What? <laughs> I had some questions for you all. Uh-oh. I, start, I started thinking about uh, Roy Rogers and the, and the movies. In fact, the um, Turner folks are running on Friday nights, for the past few nights, a salute to the singing cowboys. And they've had uh, Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and uh, Jimmy Wakely, and some that you've probably never heard of. But, um, again, they're very clear 
pristine prints, and it's nice to be able to watch them that way, the way you remember them. But there's some terms that come up in movies and, and uh, the Lone Ranger westerns on radio that I, I, makes you wonder how they, how they came up with a term like lily-livered. Talking so about a... Lily-livered. Yeah. Livered. Or an owl hoot. I owl got, that hoot. one just blows me away. The first time I heard it was on Wild Bill Hickok. Owl All them owl hoots. And then owl I started hoot, yeah. picking it up Bad. in some of the other westerns. How about dry gulched? Yes. Yeah. I think I, think I know what that, has a, how that came about. Pardon? I think I know how that came about. That one, I, I recall, has a reasonable... Um, origin it in the in a dry gulch that's the part that gets flash flooding uh-huh so and a flash flood would take you by surprise so if you got dry gulched it would be like getting hit with a flash flood would that be uh, am i in the right territory with that yeah that's good and i thought maybe it was a place that a, a person could hide uh-huh. when it was dry ah that's how i would thought of it too yeah okay well shoot someone but both ways mm-hmm. similar to bushwhacked yes he was uh, hiding in the bushes would be a guess. I, that's all I can do because I, I can't find this anywhere. I never got whacked by a bush, so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, bushwhacked. Well, yeah, you know, in in um, some of the old movies, you even Abbott and Costello, you'd have somebody pulling on a branch and letting it go and getting getting smacked with it. Yes. If you did that with a bush, you get bushwhacked. My brother had had a. Uh, we, we had, well, my brother had a cousin named my same cousin, but they would go hunting, bird hunting or whatever it might be here in the south, up in the south. I'm in Florida now. And uh, the arrow would um, just inevitably let go of a, you know, pass a tree and push the, the branch away and go through and let it go and hit you right in the face if you weren't careful. So it became the uh, norm to, if you're going to let a, limb go like that you yelled harold first <laughs> you yell what you, you yelled his name harold oh okay it became the act of letting the bush hit you in the face look at harold look out he might he wouldn't even be there you know you still use his name i don't know how i got off on that but i just just thought of it and i'm sorry i did horns horns swoggled mm-hmm. horns well i'm still on dry gulch here <laughs> oh okay <laughs> to betray by a sudden change of attitude or allegiance uh, to ambush with the intent of killing or severely mauling, we know what that we know what it means, but we don't know the origin. And the origin, it says, 1865 to 1870. That doesn't help. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> Definition of dry gulching. Let's see. Maybe we'll try with that. And what was the next one you had? Uh, let's see. Let, the one most interesting. Uh, Alhut. Oh, yeah, Owl Hoot. All right, now you're going to have to hold on because I'm just working with one one computer here. Well, please, only that limited it to one. How many do you have? She got her little two sets over there. Oh. But she got one. Yeah, and, and my going. Big Mac baby gets the hiccups, so I... Hmm, definition of dry gulching. Wyatt Earp, dry gulched by the L.A. Times. <laughs> <laughs> by the uh, blatant dishonesty at Los Angeles Times. This is funny. It's on a blog. Somebody put that on a blog. Urban Dictionary. Oh, this is this ought to be good. Dry gulched. 
nope, that's not it either. We certainly don't want that one. No, we do not want that. Um, I'm not having a very good time here. The riders were dry gulched by bandits. Also, you know, they always, when somebody's in danger, they always say, look out. I mean, that's an, uh, that's an interesting catchphrase. You know, it gets a quick way to, hey, be careful, you know. Yeah. Heads up. Look out. Mm-hmm. Mm, I have to coordinate my ears and my eyes here. Okay, unlawful, premeditated, uh, dry gulching, hacking, killing, I don't have the origin of it here. This is terrible. All right, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go to Al Hoot in a minute, okay? <laughs> oh, I'm failing. I'm f- oh, the, yeah, this could be an assignment for next week. Say what? It could be an assignment for next week. Don't hurt yourself trying to find it tonight. We wouldn't do that to you. It's called homework, and I think he's on summer vacation. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, we've got all sorts of things showing up here. Dry gulch. Let's see. <laughs> well, that's no good either. Somehow, Al. Well, trying to tell us what it means, not where it came from. Al Hoot might work its way around to the name of a restaurant. Hooters. <laughs> oh, you rascal. <laughs> <laughs> Al Hoot. <laughs> Al Hoot meanings. This ought to be good. Hmm? What is the meaning of... No, no, we don't want that. I'm going to have to really do some homework here because these cowboy dealies. They're deep, aren't they? Pardon? They're deep. It's a very deep su- subject. Yeah, it is. I'm I mean, just thinking I, there's probably a book out there called Western Dictionaries. Well, if there isn't, maybe we've got a thing going. I there. think we got something. Okay, so I have to look up Alhoot. Mm-hmm. Dry Gulch. Bushwhack. Good. Hit back, paddywhack, give my dog a bone. This old man came rolling home. Lily livered? Lily livered, yeah. Yellow bellied and lily livered. Yellow bellied, yeah. That was one, what was the the show with the two girls from the, uh, oh, let's see, the the, the spinoff of a, Happy Days, I think. And it was two girls, young oh, girls. Oh, Laverne and Shirley. Sure. Laverne and Shirley? Yes. Yeah. And one of the blooper reels, she's trying to say yellow-bellied. What, what was the other? Let's see, let's see. Um, yellow-bellied and lily-livered. That was the line that she, she was trying to say. Huh? Could not say it for for the world, and over and over and over the takes went. It was funny as it could be. Lily livered and yellow bellied. <laughs> I guess he was that, both. You know, once you mess up on one of those, you're, you're, it's toast. You're just finished for the night. Oh, yeah. I, and I would imagine before a live audience, it's, it's really worse. But they're, they're going to laugh every time, either way. Even if you get it right, they're going to laugh. That's right. 
Oh, wow. Okay, what else is on your list? Oh, let's see. That was about it. I uh, was putting down a couple of my favorite radio Christmas shows, and that would have to be uh, Wonderful Life. Ah, Walden picked that one, too. Good taste. Good taste. And uh, The Christmas Carol, I never get tired of hearing it every year. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Great production. I like the... uh and that one from the Campbell Playhouse with Horson Wells and Ohio Billmore. Great production. I have a very good copy of that. Ah, yeah. I might make sure I get a dub to Bill this year. What else did you like? Those are great choices, by the way. So, of course, younger, very much younger with Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. think of anything else right now. But. Have you seen any of the Chipmunk movies? No, I haven't. But you know, I discovered something about that, that may be a venture. I don't know if you can get them anymore. But the talking books that you used to get on LP size records, mm-hmm. that if you play those at 33 and a third, which is a speed up from what they are recorded at, it is exactly the, the uh, speed that they make the chipmunks. <laughs> and it sounds so silly. I mean, these grown men are saying these words. And uh, it was, I, I don't know when I, it was a radio station I worked for had, had this machine in there and, and uh, several books. And I, I put it on there, and of course, I was playing with it. And oh, yeah. If it didn't come out just right, that was the speed they used to make those voices sound the way they did. Well, I have been on a shame on me sitting in the corner routine here because I have complained about the chipmunks every Christmas. Either Grandma gets run over by a reindeer or one of the chipmunks is singing. And eventually, somebody who's sensitive to high sounds can have enough of the chipmunks. So the chipmunks have not been high on my list at Christmas time. Oh, I see. However, I watched some chipmunk movies. Uh-huh. They were... In the, a couple of months ago, they had the chipmunk movies, the Christmas chipmunk movies on TV, and I thought, well, why not? So I watched them, and they were very endearing. I have to break down and say they were very endearing. So you had to see them before you really appreciated them? Yeah. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I'm hanging my head. I'm hanging my head. I still don't want to listen to them. <laughs> But the movies, they were really cute. And poor little Simon, he would cuddle up. It was so cute. <laughs> so now I'll, I'll be ashamed of myself. You have and if you got away from them and went over, it's gone. But um, what they do is dig a hole and slope one side in like a ramp. So you get the butt started in the hole, and then you start setting it up. So when the thing actually comes up, you've got a vertical wall that it hits, you know, the, the vertical side of the hole. And they can hold it there until they backfill it, but it's still one that side.